1: And we are live here on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rick alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How you doing? An exacerbated Joe Lanza. What was that noise that you just made?
0: Ah, uh, just cause wrestling stinks.
1: Uh, I, I, oh, well, okay. So there is bad wrestling, but I think there's good wrestling too. There's a lot of bad wrestling though right now. It, it's yeah. it's been tough. It's been a rough ride for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, between <laughs> between the horror show. At WWE Extreme Rules, and you know WWE TV in general, you know uh, Sasha Banks winning the title by count out the other night, and all the other nonsense that goes on on Raw and, and SmackDown, and then you know we're going to lead off with New Japan, all of the wackiness going on in New Japan, and they haven't exactly been having great shows either. Um, I got a lot of scorching hot takes for New Japan. Let me tell you, I, it's just. I haven't been that enthusiastic about wrestling.
1: Yeah, I've been noticing that. I, I, we can get right into it because I think it's it's an interesting discussion. But yeah, this is—I I feel like for the first time in—in in not no, there's been times. There's obviously been times throughout the history of the show where, where you've been, you know, just down on it or don't really want to watch it or kind of burnt out or whatever reason. But this is about as negative <laughs> on the entire genre uh, as I think you may have, have have been in in years, maybe ever. To be honest, it, it is. And I don't blame you. I'm I'm kind of the same way as well. There's some stuff that I like, you know, that that, that has sort of worked for me or that I've liked. But uh, it, it definitely, yeah, it's a weird time right now that we're going through. Where you know, obviously we've we've gotten through the empty arena era eh, somewhat. You know what I mean? Like there's you know shows with kind of fans there. You know, you know there's there's you know people clapping sometimes or there's an outdoor show. So we're we're getting there. We're moving on. But it's like I do still feel like in general. I don't know what it is. There's just a malaise that's all across the world of wrestling, and it doesn't help that, like, you know, our security blanket wrestling promotions, you know, like New Japan, who throughout the entire course of this podcast history, we could always kind of rely on them to be one thing or be, you know, or one outlet of, okay, well, there's bullshit everywhere else, but ah, at least we have New Japan, at least Tomori Orishi's doing something, or this guy's doing something, Uh, and now, unfortunately, we've reached a period where they're kind of just weird and Odd as well. So it's like hard to say, you know, what the hell's going on anymore, but I'm right with you. It's 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 a very strange time in wrestling right now.
0: This is the least interested and the least interesting that New Japan has been since probably two thousand ten. Because from two thousand eleven on, I've been in on New Japan on a you cannot miss a show basis, meaning the big shows. And for a lot of those years, every show. You know, can't miss a Korikan. Obviously can't miss the big shows. Because I think 2011 was a good year. And then obviously 2012 was the was when Okada broke through. And then ever since then, it's been great. They've been on one of the all-time greatest runs that you'll ever see a promotion go on in the history of wrestling. I mean, this 2012 to 2019 New Japan run is arguably the greatest run any promotion has ever had you may differ slightly you may prefer you know the all japan run in the early 90s or you may prefer some of the previous new japan runs or you may prefer the attitude era or you may prefer whatever the case may be uh ring of honor in the mid-aughts what you know it's up for debate i'm not sitting here telling you this is without question the greatest run in the history of pro wrestling, but it's certainly in the conversation. Would you agree with that at minimum?
1: I think so. Yeah, at least you know if 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 you're acting in good faith, you you should probably be able to address that. Yeah, that it, it is it is one of the best eras in in wrestling history. And even if you completely dislike it, at least the business side also kind of says that too. And and the consensus is that way too. If you, if you were like ah, I don't think so, and it, you're you're definitely against the consensus because I think most of of the wrestling world or most people that are paying attention. I would agree. So yeah, I, I think I don't think that's a hot take whatsoever.
0: So I'm not writing a eulogy. I want to make that clear. I'm just saying that right now, what's going on now, and of course, obviously, there's extenuating circumstances. I have not been this disinterested in New Japan since 2010. And I will tell you that if not for this show, and if not for... and And, and I consider this a job. I consider this show and you know, what we do, the website, our paywall, I consider it a job. If it were not for this job, I probably, I don't know if I could say definitively, but I don't know if I would even bother with the big shows unless I like the lineups right now, because that's how disconnected I am from what's happening in new Japan. And I think the last three shows, when you look at, uh, the new Japan cup final and dominion and Sengoku board, when I look at those three shows, those are easy, that's this is easily the worst run of three shows, three major shows in a row that they've had since 2012. Because even when they have let's you know when they split destruction into three, right? Sometimes those shows will be bad, but never all three. Like usually at least one of them, sometimes two of them are really good shows and you get one stinker, right? And it's like Outside of that, like, I can't think of three shows that were this poor. And and this is three in a row now, and I get it. Obviously, the COVID has everything to do with this. I'm not – or almost everything to do with this because, okay, even though, granted, I'm not into the stuff with Evil, if they had a full roster, the undercards would be so much better. So most of this can be chalked up to COVID, you know? But it's like because so much of these cards are dependent on the top of the card, if you're not into that, these cards stink. I mean, there's just nothing there, especially if you stack them up against the expected standard of New Japan. Rich, we've talked about it for years. There's a higher bar in this company. There's a higher bar in this company. And two nice little matches that land at three and a half does not cut it for new japan this is not impact wrestling this is not your local indie or fucking noah new japan big shows need to knock it out of the park that's the standard and not only have these shows not knocked it out of the park i think two of these shows were flat out bad and one of them was you know okay dominion was okay i guess Mm -hmm. i mean I, i but but sengoku lord i thought was a bad show. Yeah, it was and not great.
1: No, we'll talk about that. And I like, I actually like the matches more than than you did, the two kind of matches that I think we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about most. Uh, and the show I liked a little bit better than you, but, but still with that said, yeah, the undercard was just an absolute bore. Um, and even the matches that I quote unquote liked or whatever were still, as you said, and 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 that's one thing that I think is pretty important to to, to bring up is that you know there was a time where we had the same you know a very similar conversation when New Japan broke up uh, the shows and started main eventing with IC titles. I forget what year they, they officially started doing that, maybe 2014 or so, 2013, 2014. I forget the exact year uh, when they when they did that, but we talked about how oh man, you know these shows are going to be split up. These you know you know and 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 that happened. And what would happen is. You know, sometimes you'd have a weekend or, you know, a week where one of the shows was kind of a dud because, you know, the IC title match didn't deliver or it was just kind of a throwaway you know, IWGP heavyweight title uh, match, so it was kind of like, ah, whatever. But more times than not, if one show was just kind of, ah eh, whatever, or just okay, the other one was really good. Y- you know, and there was, the, the big-time-in event was good in at least one of those. And 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 that's why you say that, like, it, it is impossible to find a, a run, I think, in-, in-, in recent New Japan history where it just feels like things are off. And and it's not, I mean, like, I'll-, I'll be, you know, you could say, oh, it's just Joe and Rich, and they don't like evil, and yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm looking at our web traffic, too. People aren't down with New Japan right now. It, it is it is l- the lowest numbers we're getting on reviews, the lowest numbers we're getting on previews in a long time. So, you know, you could say all you want, but we, we look at the data. We run a wrestling website here. We know when things are hot. We know when things – we talk about the VOW buzzometer or whatever and how we have a pretty good handle on when things are hot and when things are going to be good and when people are watching and what people are watching and all that sort of stuff. And, and I can tell you definitively that, yeah, New Japan is, is – it's – cold right now it just is like the, the the interest in in the shows is cold and it's not across the board I mean some stuff in wrestling is still popping big numbers on our site and still doing good stuff right now New Japan isn't so whether you want to say hey it's you know Joe and rich just don't like this or don't like that it's like ah you know we we you know whether maybe it's us saying that we don't like the stuff that's making people not click our reviews or our previews or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's just it, you. You can see from those numbers. You can see from kind of the general tenor uh, of the company that just something seems off or weird right now. And and you know I I, I don't know. It is it is definitely a strange time in New Japan. They're just they're, they've been old reliable for so long and And some people might think that that 's a negative, but but for me, you know and given where wrestling is everywhere else in the world and where you know major you know American wrestling is, or whatever, I kind of like the idea that you know once a week or once a month, I can plot down watch a four hour new Japan show, and know that i 'm getting you know the top you know you know, top tier wrestling. You know, smart based You know, storylines that make sense. All you know, like I kind of like that, and I know that some people are like, "Well, no, it's good. Get weird, get crazy, get strange." And it's like, ah, but I can go see weird, crazy, and strange elsewhere. Like I don't really want weird, crazy, and strange in my New Japan. I just want like old, reliable, which is <laughs> you know, again, I I know why some people kind of roll their eyes at that, but I mean, fuck, for nine years it's been that for us. So,
0: I mean, it's just um, it it's a combination of things. They're missing half of the roster, so the, the, the depth is not there. So that's hurting the undercards. And at the same time, doing what they're doing with their mainline title, which, look, it's very divisive. There's people who like it. There's people who love it. But there there is a lot of people who, who dislike it and flat out hate it as well. This has been the most divisive title change they've had probably ever uh, during this run. Um, and it's, it's like the, the the thing about it is it's again, it's, it's the standard and it's the bar. I mean, you'll have people make the counter argument of, well, I liked the, the evil Naito match or the evil Hiromu match. And I thought it was a, a good solid three and a half star match. And then I'm like, now hold on a second. That's not the standard in new Japan. That's a disappointing title match. When you're talking about an IWGP heavyweight title match. And I think that's, I think for the people who watch New Japan to see great matches, this is this evil thing is just not working for them. I think the only people the evil thing is working for are LIJ fans who are wrapped up in the storyline aspect of it. And that's where you're seeing a lot of a lot of the conflict among fans. But people who, for the reasons you just laid out, who watch New Japan to see really great matches and a place where stuff's gonna make sense, and you know, you're gonna get some shenanigans when it comes to Bullet Club. And listen, when it comes to Bullet Club, Rich, we were the first people on the planet. <laughs>
1: 2015, I was saying I was sick of this shit. To get
0: tired of the Bullet Club.
1: <laughs> I wrote it in our New Japan ebook. So
0: 2015,
1: I don't Go e- find it. Yeah, I know, I love that. Like, no, you didn't care when I was like, no, I did. I was bitching about it in 2015. I that knew, it was becoming overrun to... and, and overdone a little bit in the company. So,
0: but you knew you had to live with it. Yeah. And at sometimes it worked. And sometimes it didn't. You know, when you talk about Jay White's main event stuff for both of us, he's been very hit or miss. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Sometimes we've loved what they've done with Jay White. Sometimes we've hated it and we've complained about it. Um, And what they're doing with evil is, is similar in some ways to what they did with Jay White. I happen to find Jay White far more credible as a headliner and a main eventer and a future star and more of a star presence than evil. In fact, Personally, I don't even think it's close. I think Jay White is a legitimate potential pro wrestling superstar if he isn't one already. And he has everything you need that jumps off the page and makes you a money-drawing star. And I think Evil's a mid-card guy. And he has done nothing to change my opinion of that uh, with these listless performances. Um, but you know, but we've been fair all along when it comes to Bullet Club. Rich, we were screaming when Yujiro helped AJ Styles win the title. Did we not oh, in that yeah. match? Oh, where- yeah. We, we we were babies. About we were
1: absolute babies. <laughs> I remember that.
0: Yeah, we're like all the time. you, like
1: you, you were like, like, I don't know, Rich, New Japan might suck now. It might be over. Like that. That was you know, the moment that you're having right now at the beginning of the show. I remember yeah. you're like, Well, it's all over. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the company sucks because, now because like... the last thing we wanted, <laughs> right, in a wrestling world where we were given something that fit our sensibilities, was a promotion loaded with typical Western bullshit in the main events, and we didn't like seeing the IWGP title change in that manner. Now. Bullet club became what they were. And you just, like I said, you, you just learned to live with it. And sometimes it worked for the story and it was good. And sometimes it was shit. And we'd come on here and complain, but nobody can come at us with that argument when it comes to the evil stuff, because we hated bullet club before anybody did, or got tired of it rather before anybody did. And we shit all over the first IWGP title match that featured that kind of stuff. And since then it's, it's been kind of a mixed bag. Um, you know, the problem with me for these evil main events is they're all identical. They're all exactly the same structure. And he simply isn't compelling. And to this point, he has yet to convince me that he's a legitimate top guy. And he may not be one moving forward. I mean, this could just be a thing where obviously Naito's the next challenger. He could just beat evil. And that could be the end of this phase of this little story. And it could just be one of those deals where. You know, he had a short little run for story purposes, and now he's established as maybe a slightly higher tier than he was before. But he's not part of the big four or the big five that we talk about a lot of times when there happens to be five guys that are, you know, the made guys that are in the mix. Because he certainly doesn't feel like he's there now. Right? Does that mean when fans come back, if he gets the right kind of reactions that I can't change my mind on that? Of course not. Um, Only a fool digs their heels in. And I've changed my mind on many things over the years on this show. And if you're listening to shows where people never change their minds, you shouldn't listen to those shows. People should be open minded to things. And in wrestling, things change, people get over. And, and maybe, you know, when we do get crowds, this look, and, and I am not even saying that this evil thing is not a success for the company, but we don't, because we don't know. Here's what we know about Evil's run so far. We know that it's interesting enough to the, pay, to the to the paying fan base that they're able to sell the limited tickets. They sell the tickets out every time. 2,200 people to Sengoku Lord. Uh, the Night Match is going to uh, probably sell out. We know that. Does that mean that it would be selling out 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 seat buildings? We don't know. And there's no evidence to make an argument either way. I don't like when people say, oh, well, you know it would be selling out the big buildings. You don't know that. And I don't like when people say, ah, He'd probably be bombing. We don't know that. All we know is that they're selling the tickets that they're able to sell. So from that standpoint. But is it interesting to me? No, I find this totally uninteresting. I am agnostic on LIJ. I don't even think the story is particularly interesting. Like that's a lot of the counters arguments to evil is, oh, well, this is interesting. Finally, New Japan's doing something other than just next contender. It's interesting. Rich, this is is it just me or is this just another one of hundreds of turns that you've seen in your life? What's so interesting about this?
1: Yeah, I mean I guess if you're super super invested in the LIJ story but I don't know if there's been enough to really sink your teeth into like I've watched a few of the interviews and I've watched some of the things and 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 yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> like it could just be that it's like not a story that works for me but nothing that I've I've heard from Evil, nothing in the translated promos, nothing in that sort of stuff has made me think, oh man, what a story, what a great like idea that they've got here. Like and maybe they're just scratching the surface of what that story is going to be, but yeah, at this point I don't know that it's really done all that much for me to be honest, so.
0: Can I can I double down on Shingo?
1: Uh you're going to make some folks mad because I don't know he's he's a very divisive man for some reason. But yeah, go ahead, but I mean, sure.
0: But I mean everybody the, the counter argument to Shingo would have been better in the role seems to be well, it doesn't always have to be about matches. And I completely agree. Pro wrestling absolutely does not always have to be about match quality. That's a a fact, okay? I'll take especially if I'm running a promotion the money-drawing story over you know what might be a better you know work great feud or whatever that doesn't draw as much. Well, I do that every time. You know that, Rich. I always put business first. But I'm not even sure Evil's a better story than Shingo, because okay, Evil was the first guy to join Naito in Lij, right? Correct. Okay, yes. but Shingo has the deeper history with Naito, and that and by the way, that's part of the canon because when Shingo joined Lij, it was because of his training history with Naito going back 15 years ago. And that's part of the canon. That's not just fan canon or stuff that – you know. that was part of the story, that that's why Shingo became a member of LIJ because him and Naito go back all these years. He has a deeper and longer relationship with Naito than Evil does. So what makes Evil the better story than Shingo? I've yet to be uh, convinced by any of these arguments because we all agree or most of us, 99% of us agree that Shingo would be having better main event matches. Most of us agree that Shingo is better suited for the role because we've seen him do it. He's been the leader of, an e- of, of of heel factions before and drawn money in that role and drawn huge crowds in Dragon Gate as the heel leader of a faction and a heel champion. We know he can work the style with the heavy interference. I mean that's what Dragon Gate has been built around forever. Okay? We know you know – we've seen him in the role. We know he can do it. We know he can draw. We know he has better matches. And in my view, he even has the better story. Than, than evil, so what is evil left with? You've got lobotomy man out there, who's had the same dumb look on his face since 2016. <laughs> he doesn't show any emotion. He has shitty matches, and he doesn't even have as good of a story as Shingo. So, I mean, now look, it, you know, maybe, and as I said, maybe this is getting over with the fan base at large, and it'll draw money when fans come back, and evil's at end. And if it is, it is, and that's fine. And and you know once again gato will be the smartest guy in the room and and because i thought it was very interesting when chris jericho noted that 18 months ago gato told him that evil was going to get this mega mega push and win the iwgp title like within the next year or so or whatever because gato and chris jericho are pals they go back 30 years or whatever it is and he told chris jericho that which tells me that this isn't just some wacky thing they're doing during covid to kill time no right. this i, is I agree I,
1: i've always i've always argued with that stance that ah it's covid yeah. so why not just throw the title on this guy like that's just never how they've ever done anything <laughs> you know what i mean they've always thought ahead planned ahead have ideas like I, I i never for a minute believed that gato just said ah fuck it i don't know man covid's here evil take the title <laughs> you know what i mean like I never, uh, and I was interested to see, you know, Jericho say that, because it, it did give some credence to the idea that maybe Gato hasn't entirely lost his mind, or or that New Japan's entirely lost their mind, that there at least is some plan here, and evil's not just the, fuck it, why not, just give it to evil right now, type thing, which, you know, we've heard from some people, ah, there's no fans, so who cares, just give it to evil, and it's like, oh, okay, but
0: like... That wasn't the case. Yeah, it, the case.
1: It, it, it's, it's obviously that's the story, and, and, um, you know, you know keep going, because I, I, I have a thought about the Sengoku Lord, and, and a little bit about Hiromu as well, but, but finish your. You're your rant, and then I'll I'll, I'll talk about Haromo a little bit.
0: Yeah, but I mean it's like, and then from the other perspective, well, evil, you know, was the first member, and, and it's more it it's more painful for him to turn. But an equally good story would be the last guy to join is kind of use them to get his foot in the door, and now he's like, Well, fuck you, I don't need you anymore. And then he makes the turn. I just am not compelled by the argument that evil is like this far superior choice, even from a story standpoint. I think you can make arguments for both for Shingo or evil from that perspective. But the problem is Shingo gets the check mark next to the box in every other category. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. It's just, you know, am I bringing that up to poke the bear a little? Sure. I mean, we, we do do a show here and we're do our trying to elicit some reactions, but I do feel that way. I feel like Shingo would have been the better. I can picture him in this role, killing it as opposed to evil. Who's like, Ugh, you know, it's just not working. But, um, you know, so that's that's a big problem right now and why these New Japan shows are just not – just they feel off. Obviously COVID. Obviously the clap era. This is bad. I, I mean we talked about it a little, but it's almost worse than not having fans at all. It's weird because you get these spots like Togo with The Wire, and because fans can't boo, boo and clapping isn't appropriate, they do nothing. So we don't know if it's over. But it comes across cold.
1: Yeah, it feels like it's dead. It feels like the audience just dies because they don't know what to do. (laughs) They need like a, we need like a a certain, they have to have like thunder sticks or something for for if they're happy and then like, I don't know. An
0: air horn horn that boos.
1: Right, like bells or something if they're not happy. Like, I just want to know, you know, some sort of something. You know, they all have like a little lever or like a little like dial in front of their seats so you know go nah 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 you know if they're if they're unhappy and you know they pull the dial yeah. and then like you know the screen turns red or something like that or there's a little bar that shows you up oh, up. Oh, oh, they're not happy <laughs> like because you don't know you don't know if it's indifferent or it's unhappiness uh so it is definitely yeah i'm right with you like i almost prefer no fans at this point because there are moments and there are times when you hear the crowd and they're fun and they're like oh yeah they're kind of back and then like you know other times you're just like ah no, not really they're just not really back all the way and it it has definitely led to a very weird experience watching you Japan. Whereas you're not getting that, like in any other, you know. And I watched a bunch of other indie wrestling this weekend, and I know you did uh, as well. But we saw the GCW show, and that felt a little bit more organic. Yeah, it's kind of weird that everyone's wearing masks and everyone's kind of far away, and they're outside in a pier in New Jersey or whatever, a boardwalk in New Jersey, I should say. But like, yeah, that felt that felt different and weird, but not necessarily like just whatever the hell this New Japan thing is. Which I don't even I don't even know if I can call it weird anymore. It's just uncomfortable, or 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 yeah, I don't know the I don't know the correct terminology, but it's just it's not clicking with me at all, it, and it's it's it's, it's actually taking away from the yes yeah. oh it's a hundred percent it's absolutely taken away um from the shows uh, particularly when you're trying to run a story like this and this is a story that seems like it'd be so dependent on the crowd just hating evil and goddamn it how dare you and all that sort of stuff and you can and and this actually gets to my point that I was going to bring up. You know, as you're talking about, you know, Shingo, if he was in a better role uh, for for this than than Evil, and and I don't disagree. If 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 the goal is to let's build up, you know, a Naito versus X feud, a Naito versus some LAJ guy feud, then I think Shingo absolutely 100 percent is the better guy. But I do think that they're they're in a weird way, and 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 this is I came I came away from Saguku Lord thinking this. I watched, you know, he had an interview before uh, the evil match that was, you know, I, I watched that was all translated and really, really good stuff there. After the match, during the match, whatever you want to say, I came away this entire weekend thinking, God damn, Hiromu Takahashi is so much better than evil at every part of this entire game. At, at, at you know, conveying a story, in ring, conveying emotion, conveying whatever, whatever you want to say, Horomo just blew evil away and I also, while I'm you know, watching that match and, and, and seeing the promos and seeing all this sort of stuff, I'm also coming away with understanding that this this story that, you know, somebody turns on on Naito and leaves LIJ or whatever, that also includes Hiromu. And Hiromu has like an almost an equal amount of of space in the story as Naito. And I think that might change it a little bit. If you think about, you know, Shingo turning on 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 Naito, and then the Hiromu Shingo that there's not much of a relationship there. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. I, I think we're looking at it from the okay, how does this make a Naito versus X feud better? Whereas I think the idea was just fracturing Lij in general, and also pushing Hiromu up to that top level too, where he's a, a bona fide main eventer.
0: I well, okay, we're gonna get into this when we talk in this and Goku Lord, but Hiromu didn't need this to become a bonaf. I mean,
1: oh, I agree. Oh, I'm with you.
0: Let me – let's save that because a a lot of the talk around the main event was, man, this really solidifies Hiromu. This match really showed me really an average match against Evil in front of a crowd that can't cheer is what – Rich, we called this years ago. I didn't need this match to tell me that. That is the most overrated thing about this match that somehow this match has proven that Hiromu could be a top guy. Rich, we – Did we not say that two years ago? No, I think
1: we saw it, and and I'm one of the people that thought I I said that after the match too. That I think it it, it now. I didn't say that it proved it, but I said it now made it even more obvious than it was before that like this is the dude. Like you watched that match because I thought I thought for whatever you want to say about the match, and I know you and I kind of disagree. You did not like it as much as I did. Not that I (laughs) I loved it, Um,
0: and not that I completely
1: hated it. Yeah, exactly. We're 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 closer than you think, but we kind of came away. What I came away with that match thinking is not necessarily wow, evil with another stinker. More so. Oh my God, Hiromu was so much better than Evil, and Hiromu is so good, is what I can't. I thought, because I thought he was tremendous in this match. I think he did as much as you can to get Evil over and to have a good match with Evil. And I think it speaks to how much I don't think Evil's very good, that Hiromu, in I think one of his better, like, kind of individual performances in a long time. Short of, like, a a match with, you know, just a crazy high-flying match or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, one with an Osprey or a Dragon Lee or something like that. Like, as far as, like, a match that's not, like, one of those matches for Romu, I thought it was... Because I, I thought he paced the match well. I thought he was the important part of the match. I thought his reactions were, were, were what made the match. I think he... It was... I don't want to use the broomstick analogy because that's not really fair, and I don't think Evil's that bad, but I thought Hiromu was so leaps and bounds better than Evil after this that I was basically led with, okay, if you guys think that Evil's even close to a main eventer, then what does that make Hiromu? Hiromu might be the biggest star this company's ever going to see if, if, if that's the level that we're looking at right now. And that that's where I came. Not necessarily that this proves that Hiromu belongs, but that it's just like, oh, dude, this guy is so clearly obviously going to be a megastar no matter what they do. Like It's going to be impossible for them to not... You know, go in that direction with him at some point soon, even if he's a junior or or or, or a heavyweight or whatever. So,
0: Rich, we've had one-hour conversations on this show over the years of how Hiromu is has can be a top guy in the company, and the only question is, do they elevate the juniors or do they move him up? Mm-hmm. We've had that conversation.
1: Or does he times. just transcend it? I've I've been on yeah. record saying years ago. That it'll just be like, well, it's just a Like we don't, we don't. Yeah, he's a. I don't know. He's a junior. He's a heavyweight. It doesn't matter. It's a You don't care. It, it's like he will be yeah. that guy. I think that doesn't even if he doesn't add like the the customary you know pounds that we you know see the guys like Will Osprey and, and and all those guys that move up from junior to like I think he is that guy that transcends the weight divisions. Like there's just it's not gonna matter. It's just it's fucking Romo. And and we've said this years ago, years ago, years ago. So years yeah, it's ago. like it's not a new it's- thing for us. But what I did, I thought that this just even more solidified it that he is so so much the man where evil is not. You, you know what I mean?
0: I, I understand exactly what you're saying. For me, I didn't need Hiromu's 40th best match ever to tell me that he could be a top star. I knew that already. This match didn't change my opinion on that positively or negatively. He was great in the match. And it, it was a good performance. And But it's like, you know, I, we've, been, we've been saying for two years that, that they got to figure out, Okay, this guy can be your top star or one of your top stars and a legitimate top guy main eventer. The question is, how, you know, how do you handle it from the perspective of do we elevate the juniors? Do we move him out of the juniors, like you're saying? Does he just transcend it? That's the only question with Hiromu. There was never any question before this match whether Hiromu could be a top guy. Evil, I have never considered a potential top guy. I mean, I, you know, that that's. He's just a guy. He's just a nice guy to have on a roster. He's totally mis- miscast right now. Unless the idea is just to tell this one little 2-month story, but even then I don't like it. It just tarnishes the history of the title to put it on somebody like this if they don't eventually get over to that level. And you know, every promotion has made that mistake from time to time. What evil feels like to me is like when WWE would like randomly put the title on Jack Swagger or They'd randomly put it on, you know, Seamus before he was ready. He's had like 19 brains since then. But you, you know what I mean? Like it's where WWE just throws something against the wall and it's like, this guy's champion. That's what evil feels like. And like a lot of those guys that WWE attempts to elevate, I'm not feeling it. And it doesn't feel like he's growing while in the role. I always think it's dangerous to expect a wrestler to grow into a role when they're already in it. It's a much safer play to build them up for the role and then put them in it when they're ready. It can work. It's worked at times, but sometimes it doesn't. The jury is out on this one, but this match to me did nothing to change my opinion on Herombo. I'm not more sure of my opinion that he's going to be, a, that he could be a top guy. I'm not less sure. It's just, I already knew. And I mean, this is like the, is this one of the thirty best matches of his career? Honestly, if you really think about it, Ooh, all right, Let me. Let me I'm
1: gonna. I'm gonna run over to the old cage match right now. <laughs> let's let see me, where that me, you know.
0: Let me lay it out for you.
1: Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Think of, think of all the best of the super juniors he's been in, where he's had at minimum five or six great matches in in the in the tournament uh, portion. Then think of the finals he's been in. Then think of his IWGP Junior title runs and all of the title matches he's been in then think of like the seven or eight dragon Lee matches in Mexico and Japan combined that were way better than this match. I don't think it's an unfair question. You know, and I, look, it's just a fun thing. I'm not casting any judgment on, on, you know, evil or Hiromu based on that. It's just, it's weird to me that people are like, oh, this guy can be a top guy. And it's like, he went out there and had a you know, an average match with a ton of shitty interference. And it's like, we already knew he could be a top guy. This isn't even one of the 30 best matches of his life, you know? And it's like, and that's, and as you think about that and research it, that's sort of what I mean when I say this isn't what new Japan has been. And I can understand why a lot of people are cold on new Japan because people don't watch new Japan for, you know, pretty good main events or average main events or, you know, and stuff that's, you know, the same match over and over three shows in a row. I mean, they watch to see the IWGP title treated with some sort of reverence most of the time, you know, not, you know, uh, and, and, and to see, you know, great IWGP title matches, not little three and a half star matches, you know, it's, it's with, you know, the same Dick Togo finish every time.
1: Yeah, it's just the, the stories matches that, you know, and that we've kind of coined that term here on this the show over the years. It's is, like you know, I, the, don't, okay, one, I, I don't the stories of the Z matches where it's like, yeah,
0: I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like the, the final point on that is I don't see this as Hiromu lifting evil. I see this as evil dragging Hiromu down
1: yeah or to, okay. to me like and and the way I and I guess it's it's how you interpret this match and think like to me it was Hiromu just passing evil by just leaping on his shoulders and just going by i'm I'm gone like yeah you may you won this match you're you're still the champion but like in in a year's time it's gonna be so clearly obvious that I'm the star and you're you mean not. in the bigger
0: picture the bigger right exactly
1: picture. right 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 right
0: and if that's the case does this does this match then serve its purpose i you I guess you can make that argument. My argument is you didn't need this match to create that sure. dynamic. I, I, think I,
1: the, I think the visual pinfall on, on Evil was important. I think there was a lot of stuff in there that, again, like I think if you gum from the standpoint well, hey,
0: of okay, – I think the visual pinfall sucks, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's, yeah, go ahead. Because what? Because th- that even further reinforces the idea that Evil doesn't belong in a spot, even from a kayfabe oh, perspective. Oh, I agree.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and the
0: visual pinfall against a junior. Yeah, my, right, my, right. My, arg- my argument before the match was that Evil should beat him clean in the middle. Because Hiromu would lose nothing, he would lose nothing. He st- he's still going to be a future star, right? And a future top guy. But that goes a long way to establishing evil and even putting more heat on him, right? This just it it, it this whole idea like he's a fraudulent champion. This isn't fucking 1987 WWE. I'm not, you know, a lot of people don't want this. Right. I I
1: agree. Yeah. No, that's the, I think the story they're telling is like, you're saying that evil's kind of this undeserving geek champion. He's, he's the fucking Miz, you know, in 2010 or, you know, Ray Mysterio when he won the title and just never, ever beat anybody. And that's, I, I, that's kind of, unfortunately what we're doing here is, is that it's like, yeah, Hiromu is better than evil that this match proved that. Uh, it's countless times, but I don't like that story, and th- and that's the argument that I have with a lot of people: of oh, this is a good story. This is th- it's a story. They're telling stories It's interesting. It's a story, and I'm like, yeah, this story kind of stinks, though. The story is that evil's an undeserving champion. That Hiromu could have and should have beat him. That if it wasn't for Dick Togo, evil wouldn't have this title and stuff. And like, you can love, you can want that out of your – You can say that's a great story. I tend to think that's a shit story. I think that's a terrible story, and I don't go to New Japan to watch stories like that. I don't want. I want my IWGP Heavyweight Champion to be the most deserving guy and the top star in the company. And that's what we said, you know, uh, weeks ago ago when when the evil thing happened. Is that I wasn't happy with evil being the champion because at no point did I think evil is one of the top guys in the company or a top star in the company or anything like that. And you know, you can bring up Jay White, you can bring up other guys, but but. Every most other champions except for I think I brought up Nakanishi in like 2008 or whatever was the last time I really felt like the IWGP Heavyweight Champion wasn't the top guy in the company or one of the top guys in the company and 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 I get that with Evil right now and honestly that's the story they're telling you too and I think that's a pretty shitty story is that Evil sucks and he needs Togo to help him win 100 yeah. like full full stop it's not even that like he you know he uses him for shortcuts like he straight up needs this guy to help him win. And that I don't love that story because it's a shitty story. And and like you said, I can go watch WWE if I want to watch undeserving champions, you know, get conned, uh, you know, or con their way into winning titles. Like that that shit doesn't appeal to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that that's really what it comes down to. And you know, some people are into it. It's very divisive, though. There's a lot of people who think who look at it like we do. Um, but the, the the but then compounding the problem is because of COVID and the roster, the rest of the company. Is totally uninteresting right now as well. I mean, um, you know, the last two shows and 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 look and and these matches, you know, it's like, you know, the shingle match at both Dominion and Sengoku Lord was better received or more well received than the IWGP title match, and it's like, um, again, that's not what New Japan has been. It, it's it's been pretty reliable, not every show, obviously, but. You know your IWGP title match, your main event, is uh, more often than not going to be the best match and a match with the best buzz. So it's a big, it's just a change in the way they're doing things. And and you know a lot of times people don't like change, um, especially the top of the card. And it's just no depth. I mean, you look at this Sengoku Lord, and you had the Shingo match against Despy, which again that wasn't that was like Shingo's least interesting match in in ages. I mean the show matches blew that match away. Um, you know, and we're in an era where there's new Japan shows where there's just no great matches anymore. And, and it's weird. And the depth has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, so, you know, Sengoku Lord to me was so boring top to bottom. And if you approach it from the perspective that I don't like the evil stuff, you can easily understand where I'm coming from. Sure. It was a, it was a nothing undercard with a main event that I hated and a Shingo match that kind of underdelivered. It was a good match, but you know, not to the usual Shingo standard.
1: Yeah, I think Okada um, sleepwalking through a Yujiro match too was 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 pretty terrible. Garbage. Yeah, garbage. It's terrible. Yeah.
0: Um, and the undercard was just boring. It was a bunch of two-star matches, you well, know. So it's like
1: <laughs> And this this brings up something I wanted to talk about. Are you, are you done cuz I wanted to bring up something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, as well. Okay. Um so we're going to talk about the, the the KOPW 2020 thing or whatever here in a little bit before we're going to talk about Senkoku we're going to talk about that but one of the big issues right now in New Japan is, as well is i mean what are we doing with these titles like why are we not stripping you know Rapungi 3K of the title like I, I, we i think you and I would both agree that if there was just a junior tag title match on the show, and, and I know that they're missing guys. I know that it's not the perfect roster, but I don't fucking care. Watto and Taguchi, I, I, who fucking care? You know what I mean? Like something, whatever pick two juniors and have them win the goddamn titles. Like I think that would add so much cuz juice to these undercards because if your main event is going to be these sort of kind of slogs and all your other guys are just going to kind of sleepwalk through shit or, or or give half efforts because they're they're missing top guys they 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 think it's all kind of whatever, then you need to do something more than just random ass six man and 10 man tags or you know Taiji Shimori getting bored in in, in a young line match or whatever, but like so let's add some juice here, you got all these fucking titles and they're not using any of them, they're not utilizing any of them like why are we, why are we not crowning new junior ha- tag team champions, why are we just uh, uh, completely ignoring the open weight, you know, six man tags which were our stupid title anyway, but could be useful in times like this, like why the US heavyweight title, why don't we just say sorry Mox, like you know, we're stripping you, you can get it back whenever, like they have resources to like add I think a little bit of energy to these shows and they're just proving, they're, they're just choosing to film out with random ten man and six mans that don't matter and then you know Top of the card's not delivering either. So, yeah, it leads to these just mundane-ass shows.
0: Yeah, and I mean, do tag team title matches on every big show. Why was there not an IWGP tag team title match? Just do it, you know add some juice to these shows. I mean well, the they're, they're, shows
1: this, are so dry. Yeah, and there's this thing that like, and, and again, like I'm on record saying that I would have been perfectly fine if Naito was just defending these titles against Challenger of the Months or whatever. It, it fine with me, but you want to tell the story of the evil, fine, whatever. But like, there's no reason you can't like put these junior tag team titles on anybody. Fucking, like I said, Watto and Taguchi. Watto and, like whatever. I don't care. Put them on whoever. I, IWGP tag team titles. Have Watto and, and, and Tenzan fight the Danger Stackers. I don't care. The match is matches, what, like whatever. It doesn't matter. We're in a weird time. We're in a very strange time or whatever and if the same thing is going to hold that oh well it doesn't matter you can put evil as a champion because no one's going to be you know the shows are going to sell it anyway and it doesn't matter well then at the same time you can just have random tag challengers you can just have random tag team like you know i'm I'm not saying just throw them on anybody you can tell a story with it but to just say ah whatever we're not going to have junior tag team titles right now who cares it's like, oh, Jesus. Like, you need something to prop up these these things. And instead deciding, you know, we'll talk about this KOPW thing. It's just so bizarre to me. I don't understand. Sh- Yo's not coming back, guys. Like, what do you... His fucking knee is, is ruined. Like, he's not coming back right now. Moxley's not coming to Japan anytime soon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Evil's not going back in LIJ. Like, these titles, there's no need to have these titles just fucking sit around doing nothing when you have these undercards that are just dull and, and mundane and boring. I just don't get it.
0: I mean, you know... There's no reason not to have Taguchi and two of his pals, you know, face some, you know, a team of Bullet Club guys or whoever, right? <laughs> to, to to form new six man champions. And no, it's not a great title, and no one cares about it. But it comes real. It comes in handy in a time like this, just to be fourth from the top on these shows instead of random six man that no one cares about with minimal effort, which is what we're getting. Um which is really dragging these shows down, especially if you're not into the main event. And let's face it. Even if you like these main events, there's still not a lot of meat on the bones of these shows. Okay. You get your main event, you get your Shingo never match. And then it's usually a pile of shit. I mean, these shows have not been good. You know, it's, you know, it's people trying to fool themselves into the, these are good shows. They're not, there's no depth at all. And, and they're not helping themselves with the depth. Uh, like you say, I mean, yeah, your limited roster, you could do something with those junior titles. I mean, you know, put them on Kanamoru and Despie and like you said, give Watu a partner. or whatever, something, you know, it, it, but to just have them be stagnant, all of these belts, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's a weird, weird time. And then, you know, Okada, the Corkin the shows. Now look, the Corkin lineups have been bad and now look, a big reason for that is, look, there's nine Corican shows on this tour, and the Corican shows are really just because they're not going on their regular tour stops, right? So they're exactly. just using this- it'd
1: be like your loop. It'd be like if if, yeah. if you looked at a WWE loop from you know March of 1987, yeah, the, you know the Peoria show and the quads, you know the the the, the show in, in Bettendorf, Iowa or whatever, going to look exactly the same. Like it's whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So it's, so it's not really that big a deal, except that. The and shows happen to air on New Japan. They're Campo airing, also.
1: and yeah, so we we see them, we look at them, and we go, "Oh dear God!" Like, what the hell are these shows? But yeah. they put muscle behind the one that's coming up. Uh, maybe tomorrow, by the time we're recording this, might people maybe people are listening to that. That's the one with uh, you know Suzuki and, and Nagata on the main event. That yeah. one is clearly like the show, the highlight show of the entire thing. But then the rest of the shows are yeah, road two shows or house shows. You know, just touring the and, cities.
0: And good for them doing that. Yeah. You know, because the first two were like identical cards with minimal changes, and it's like. It doesn't have to be that. Do some elimination matches. Get creative. Um, there's just no creativity. And look, there. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about the COVID excuse. Every other promotion in the world is in the same boat, and other promotions are getting creative. And New Japan hasn't to this point. But they're doing Nagata Suzuki, and they'll, fair play to them. Thank God they're giving that show a little juice. And then they have Okada roll out this KOPW thing, which uh, is allegedly... Is ok- was Okada's brainchild. And it's modeled after the uh, Progress Proteus title, which it immediately reminded me of uh, the night of the announcement. First thing I tweeted out was, I guess we have an IWGP Proteus title now. You know, with the idea being the champion picks the stipulation. In this case, it's the fans that pick the stipulation. But it's the same idea. And now we're hearing that, like, you know, that was, you know, Will Ospreay suggested that to Okada. You know, after seeing the progress Proteus title. So it all makes sense uh, if that was indeed the case, but, um, and then, and that'll spice up some of these core too, because they're going to run that tournament on the Corkins, if I am understanding understand right. So, but I guess we could transition into that title itself. This is wacky. And I, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. We'll have to wait and see. It could be good. Um, I don't know, you know. New Japan usually doesn't handle stipulations all that great, um, but because it's just not what they do; it's not in their blood. But it could be good. The thing is, it just doesn't feel like a fit. That's the problem. And with the rest of the company and the current kind of malaise that they're in, it's it's another thing that's like uncertain and weird and, yeah. and doesn't, you know. And 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 it might be, you know, it might turn out to be good at anything to juice these cards up. You know, I'm willing to give a shot, but my God, did that announcement just kind of fall flat? Like yeah. everything else is falling it's, flat. in this company.
1: The, the word that I, I come up with or the thing I think of the most is it just, and and I don't know if this isn't necessarily fair or whatever. It just, it feels like unprofessional. It doesn't feel prestigious. And that's for the longest time. New Japan has done a great job. I think, in 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 the you know the Bushy road era of feeling like they are prestigious, that they are you know this top tier company, the model that everybody kind of follows, the model you know promotion in japan you know you know all that sort of stuff the the thing that people in America can point to and go, yeah, that's wrestling the way it should be you know you know like you know and and this just kind of feels gimmicky and it's like this doesn't feel like it behooves new japan like it just doesn't feel like that's what they are anymore it feels like they kind of grew out of that and and should have kind of grown out of that and now they're right back there and i i guess i get the juice argument i get the idea of trying to spice things up or whatever but like i don't know it just seems too much it just it, it it's it's strange it's gimmicky it's weird and and like you said new japan has never done a very good job uh with stipulations like that or over their history too it's not even in the bushiro era. just like in their history they've done a pretty good bad job of it uh and this one in particular just feels yeah it just feels clunky and weird and it just doesn't it doesn't feel new Japan. It doesn't feel like what this company is and and, and has been. Is that fair to say?
0: I just, I hope it's good. I, 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 you know, it could be good. I don't know. Um, he mentioned three different kinds of matches specifically. He mentioned cage match, best of three falls and ladder. And they've done ladder, you know, the Elgin match and all that. Um, you know, and, and those are pretty basic stipulations. I don't think you're going to get, you know, crazy off the wall shit. Um, you know, so maybe they'll be good. I, You know, you know, well, it's, it, I think it keeps Okada busy and out of the top mix because he has to be out of the top mix if they're going to build this whole LIJ mm-hmm. divorce thing. Um, so you got to keep Okada out of it. So that question was answered at Sengoku Lord. He beat Yujiro with relative ease, but then he didn't come out and challenge. They had Naito come out and challenge, which, um, you know, keeps that within the LIJ, the top of the card, which is fine. But then you got to give Okada something to do, so this is kind of the idea to keep him busy, you know, while G One's not going on. And um, but you know, this is something that they plan to keep around moving forward. You know, they'll do this tournament, and then the winner will kind of defend this trophy. I don't think it's a title belt.
1: It's it's not. Yeah, I I have the whole – Do you want do you want to read the entire sort of?
0: Yeah, I guess. Go ahead. Some people we just assume people hear stuff, but. A lot of times, people are hearing stuff from us. Yes, so, absolutely. It was great.
1: We, we appreciate that. But, uh, all right, so the title is being called the KOPW Championship. Uh, there will not be a physical belt uh, for the champion to hold, and the title re- will reset at the end of every year as far as who the champion is. So whoever goes into the, cha- the title at the end of the year, that's it. Title's done and vacated, and then it's the KOP, you know. W 2021 title, and it's brand new and a new tournament and all that sort of stuff, so uh, the inaugural KOPW champion will be decided after matches are held on August 26th at Corican Hall, and the finals will take place at the Jingu Stadium show uh, which we'll talk about here in a bit, because there's some other fun stuff on that show as well Uh, Eight wrestlers are going to compete in four singles matches on that 826 Corican Hall show, Uh, for the first round each wrestler will decide their own match rules, which can be 2 out of 3 falls ladder, steel cage, etc uh fans will be the deciding factor on which wrestler's stipulations stand okay so each wrestler says i want this i you know so it's not like like you said if it's exploding anal death match or whatever and then ladder match and the fans vote ladder then it's a ladder match you know what i mean like hey, so they listen
0: they better vote exploding anal death <laughs> <than> <laughs> I know, right God is
1: like, look, hey, the fans spoke. Who,
0: let's do it. Who would who would pick ladder match? I agree. I'm,
1: I'm 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 at this point, you know, fuck it. Let's do it. If if things are going to get weird, let's get fucking weird. You know. Yeah. If wrestling is going to stink, then let's you know let's.
0: Well, the well these this little tournament here is almost. Look, this is a lock to be more interesting than whatever they were going to do on these Coragans otherwise. Because really, rich, all we're asking for are some matches with some stakes. That's really all we want. You know, it, we don't care what the stakes are. Like, we were just advocating for the never six-man titles right. <laughs> to come right. back. Right. I just want to watch a match and care about it. And the problem with New Japan lately has been I've been watching a whole lot of matches that I just don't care about. You know? So the tournament's good from that perspective. And maybe it'll be wacky and a lot of fun. Um, And maybe it'll suck so bad that it's a lot of fun. The problem is if it's just average. That's what you don't want. You either want it to be great and this cool new thing, or you want it to be so bad that we can come on the show every week and just rip it apart and have a lot of fun with it. But um, you know, so we'll see. And then you know, it resets every year. And you know, from what I understand, we've heard other details that I'm not going to repeat because I don't know if they're true.
1: Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't we couldn't completely validate them. So yeah, or validate. And them, if
0: I and say. if, and in the old days, we might say, "Hey, here's this other stuff that we heard," and. We're not reporting it as fact, but someone who knew about all of this before, basically someone who knew about this KOPW thing before it was announced, had a bunch of other details for us. But I'm not going to talk about them because what happens is then someone posted on Reddit. Yeah, well,
1: backslash R, backslash squared circle, starts firing up the old takes.
0: (laughs) Saying that we reported as fact. And then what happens is the news sites pick up pick it up off Reddit and then WrestleZone and fucking Scoops and all this shit say that Joe Lanz and Rich Crate said that all of these things are going to be and, – and so now, unfortunately, this is the problem we always run into. We're too small to be big, but we're too big to be small. So we can't just flippantly put out – stuff that we heard. Even when we put out the disclaimer of this is just some unobstanti- substantiated stuff that we heard, people still turn around and report. Because well, they fat. won't they won't
1: listen and they don't put the link in there. They just say, Voices of Wrestling said this. And everybody goes,
0: Those yeah. idiots, they don't know anything. <laughs> They're stupid. I hate them. I can't why are you
1: posting them? You know, it just goes in the cycle. And like you said, it gets a lot of votes and it gets a lot of reactions and all that sort of stuff. So then yeah, scoops dot net or whatever picks it up and, and says Voices of Wrestling reports that uh, anybody who wins a KOPW, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, oh, God right, damn it. Right. <laughs> like, Jesus, now we have to play like, defense hey. for an entire day and say, no, it's not what we said. No, we didn't say that. So, you know, Sean <laughs> yeah. Rassett's so- got the time to sit out there all day and tell people, no, that's not what I said, listen to the show. I don't, though. Yeah. I got a job to be at. So that's...
0: Yeah, and I'm just not interested in it. And then right. it hurts her reputation and everything else, un- needlessly. But what I will say as a generality is we've heard some additional details about this thing that New Japan hasn't announced yet. That really give me cause for concern, and I know that people are gonna, you know, hear that and call it a dick tease, and it might end up on Reddit anyway. But I it just, I'm hoping, and I don't even know if you agree, but the the other stuff that we've heard about mm-hmm. this thing is very concerning. Now, I
1: don't. I don't like those. If this is just some bullshit thing to get us through a, a, a weird bad time then i'm fine with it if it's a thing that becomes like you know what you know a, a major part of of stories moving forward then yeah i'm definitely uh... well
0: i think that i think it's going to be that i mean they this isn't just a COVID thing this is a thing they're going to do every year and it's going to be considered an important title for lack of a better term but there's those other details surrounding it and how they came up with the idea and who, who you know and who uh is a proponent, the people that are proponents of it, and uh, you know what, it. and it's like that's very concerning for the future direction of the company. And quite honestly, all of that stuff lines up with what's going on in the company right now, in terms of how they're presenting their main events and the type of people that they're pushing and everything else. So, some of my concern and disinterest in New Japan right now may be influenced by a lot of things that we just haven't verified that we can't talk about that. And maybe that's clouding some of my views on things. I don't know. I'm just not optimistic or just, I'm just not that into new Japan right now, you know, to the, you know, I I haven't felt this way where I feel like new Japan isn't essential since easily for the last decade, 2010 after, like I said, at the top, she's just not interested in what they're doing right now. And maybe they'll, they'll you know, bring me back in. It's only going to take one great show. It's only going to take one great show. But it's my general malaise of all pro wrestling. Dynamite fucking stunk last night. And that's been reliable for the last couple months. And even that was bad. And then WWE is a fucking dumpster fire. And, you know, even some of these indie shows we're going to talk about, I suspect you like them more than I did. I have a lot of problems with Game Changer. You know, that's just not my cup of tea. It's just wrestling's not very good right now. And yet, COVID has a lot to do with it. But it is what it is. I mean, I think we've got to stop blaming COVID for everything and stop giving people passes for COVID. This is the reality. This is the new reality right now. And, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's challenges. And I don't know, man. New Japan had months and months and months to sit on the sideline and observe. And they have not handled this well.
1: They have not. No, I think that that's the biggest takeaway. You know, we're you know, as, as we're kind of getting through Sengoku lore, that's done. We're moving our way through, you know, the, the summer struggle and whatnot. It, it it ultimately feels like and we said at the time, the best idea ever for New Japan is just to chill out, let everybody else go nuts and try stuff out and do weird stuff and and, and have their empty arena shows and figure out how they're gonna, you know, navigate this new world in New Japan when they're ready to come back, when they know that they're ready and confident, they'll come back and they'll be the the leader in the in the in the clubhouse again and, and show everybody how it's done and all it's Sort of stuff, and they've come back, and they don't fucking have any clue what they're doing. It's like you know they're 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 caught, you know, with you know caught with half the roster. Oh, what do we do now? Oh, crap, what do we do? Oh, we don't have these titles. We don't have that title. We can't run this tournament. You know, this guy versus this guy. We got. It's just yeah, it's wild. It's just like you know, for a company that that feels like they're out. Yeah, like, for a company that always felt like they were always, you know, two or three steps ahead, they're just kind of fluttering. And it's not its not just the evil thing. Like, like honestly, the biggest argument that I have, and, and it's what you said as well, even if I knew the evil things were going to suck, at least I could say, hey, you know what? Hot little junior tag match on the undercard. Let's go. Like, But no, I don't know well, that. Let me have- be,
0: listen, let me be clear. The evil thing is the one thing with a direction.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: I, yeah, like, put, set aside how I feel about it. That at least has a direction it's the rest of the company that feels rudderless. Like it has no direction. And like they got caught with their pants down and don't know what to do. And they've, they've got everything else in a holding pattern. The evil thing at least has a direction and is very clearly well thought out. That is not part of that. This part of the discussion. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, just these stagnant titles and, you know, Okada fucking off with Yujiro and, and, um, you know it just it, it feels like a mess but um should we do the whole you know, i guess we should do the sengoku board i guess
1: right? i mean I, I, uh, is, is there, there anything more to say, to say like I
0: mean, it's I mean, the show just I, – I mean, what do you want me to say? It was just a dull show. It's one of the worst shows they put on. I don't
1: think we have to waste our last... time, to be honest. We, we talked about Shingo <laughs> and Desperado, how it didn't quite meet our expectations. We talked about Evil and Hiromu. I, I don't know if there's, there's much else to talk about on the show, to be honest.
0: I mean, I guess – look, we got to do it. So um, quick thoughts. We don't have to go super detailed. We talked about Evil, Hiromu. Now, look – okay, no. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't think Evil, Hiromu is like worst match of the year or anything. I am just tired of Evil having the same match on every show. I don't like the match. And it's the same match every time. There's no reason to pay attention to anything until Dick Togo gets involved. And then, you know, it's the same formula. I thought Hiromu was great in the match. I thought evil. I don't know. It was a look. there was a sequence in the match that I loved. Okay. Let me be positive for a second. The where he was doing the dollar store Brock Lesnar routine with the German suplexes on Hiromu's neck. Mm -hmm. Tremendous sequence. That sequence ruled. Outside of that, this was a nothing match. It's the same match Evil's been having every night. Hiromu was great in it. Upon my first watch, I fucking hated this match. I wanted to just bury it under the sea.
1: Yeah, you were a big because... rugby pants that morning too, though. So that's, that's fair.
0: It, th- th- because of this match. <laughs> no, I know,
1: I know, I know. <laughs>
0: and, and, and because the show stunk, I sat through this boring-ass fucking show, and then I get this bullshit in the main event, and I wasn't a bad mood. So on first watch, I hated the match. And then I saw a lot of other people hated the match, but I saw a lot of people were like, oh, it was great. And I'm like, I genuinely – it upset me that people were calling it great because I'm sitting here going, what the fuck did you – what was great about this? It was an average match with a garbage finish. So I forced myself to immediately watch it again and pay super close attention to everything, right? And I did. And I liked it a little better on the rewatch. I went from a two, I went from two stars to three on the rewatch. I thought it was a below average match the first time I watched it. Disgusted. And then I watched it again. I said, you know what? That's not a below average match. That's not fair. This was an above average match. I'm going to throw three stars on it. But then I changed my rating again. Because ratings are super important, Rich. And the people need to hear this. I changed my dopey rating a second time. And I docked it a quarter star for all the Dick Togo bullshit and the nonsense at the finish, because I thought to myself, wait a minute, I can't, it was, that shit is so bad that I can't not dock for that. So my final rating for evil Hiromu was two and three quarter stars, which, you know, granted is lower than the consensus, but I think that's going to happen when you're a, not into the story and B just hate the finish with the passion of a thousand burning sons. So that's where I am on the match. Hiromu was great. Take nothing away from him, evil. Evil and the match structure dragged Hiromu down to what I think isn't even one of the thirty or forty best matches of his career. It's a, you know, from that perspective, if you're looking to get a great match out of Hiromu, you got to look elsewhere. Um, you know, the story, your mileage may vary, and we spent enough time on that already. Rich, Absolutely. what did you think? What did you think of the match itself?
1: So I liked it a little bit more than you. I, I can't say that I'm gonna go any. I, I think I'm at about a 3.5 on it, um, it, it, ratings wise, because I, you know, I watched it live, and, and very rarely do I get to watch unspoiled live New Japan. But I happen to wake up pretty early on that day, and I, I, I pop on to New Japan World, and I'm always I'm always fearful too, because I know you've been in this situation before too, and this happens to me a lot, where I wake up and I go, oh man, yeah, right, uh, whatever's on today, and I go to New Japan World, I click the play button, and there's like you know Okada holding up a title, and I'm like, goddamn it, <laughs> it's like you know, what I mean, like I came to. Right at the finish. So I had to, like, you know, jump in without going on Twitter or anything and go into our, you know, our, 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 you know, staff slack and say what matches have been on so far. And then, you know, people tell me about this match.
0: Nothing's worse than hit and play on that live feed. And like you're saying, like the... The winner is
1: rainmaker. His- Boom, yeah. one, two, three. You're like, oh.
0: Or, or even worse, the guy standing there sweaty, giving his speech. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, like, get so gosh, right. I get so many of those. I get so
1: many of those. Yeah, kind of wiping sweat from his brow. You know, yeah, only yeah. holding the towel, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. And then I got it. Like, it's not the worst part about that is I, I'm so I'm already spoiled. I already know who won the match, but then I can't watch the match right away either because I got to wait for New yeah. Japan then to put the VOD up. So it's like, yeah. it's yeah. like I don't even want to watch it anymore because I'm like, I already know what that. So that happens to me all the time. So this. This is one of the rare matches that I was able to watch from beginning to end. I basically got in right at uh, Okada and Yudro right at the beginning of that match and was able to watch everything else unspoiled. So that, I think, helped a little bit. And it helped with the main event, too, because I did, f- for whatever reason, whether I got kind of caught up in the story or whatever, I bid on a few of the near falls. There was a few of the near falls where I said, oh, my God, they're going to do it. I can't believe they're going to do it. And I'm, then something I'm would happen.
0: I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I didn't think for a second Hiromu would ever – which is why I didn't bite on anything. But I get it because I've gotten wrapped up in matches before. Yeah, I I can't
1: really explain why because I know know in my heart of hearts there's no fucking way. TikTok was going to do something, but for whatever reason in my brain – my brain just kind of got excited. I got kind of caught up in it a little bit. So there were some near falls. And I got caught up in the story of Hiromu. Like, I like again, I, I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning. Like, I thought Hiromu was so fucking good in this match that basically I forgot that Evil wasn't even in this. And I was just cheering for Hiromu to beat this guy and send him back to the mid-card and become the new, you know, double champion or whatever. Because that's how invested I was in, in, in kind of the story of Hiromu and the and the rise of Hiromu and all that sort of stuff. So that's why I bit into it. And that's kind of why I, I got excited about it. But with that said, like, yeah, there a lot of the match, it was 33 minutes, which, again, If we're going to do this evil bullshit... Let's just, let's fucking condense it to 15 minutes, guys. Let's Can we do, do this
0: in 18 minutes? I mean, like, for if, if real. If this we're just
1: going to me. wait for Dick Togo to walk out, then like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what it is. And, and we're just going to wait for Ishimura to run down or the next Bullet Club guy to run down and then wait for nobody to come out from LIJ or whatever, which again, we'll we'll talk about in a bit, which, you know, I know is part of the story or yada yada. I think it's a bad part of the story, but whatever. If that's the story, that's what it is. So it, it just, we're, I'm sitting there and then I kind of get glassy eyed when I'm just watching Hiroma get his ass kicked by three Bullet Club guys and, and fucking Groot walk. Wires, and I'm like, what the fuck is this oh, shit? It's it's, like-
0: it just lo- it loses you instantly. Like it just lo- for me, it just I'm I, it loses me instantly. Right. I just I have no interest. And, in that And
1: and that's where I dock it. And that that's where the stuff kind of gets on me. Where it's just like, all right, whatever. Like you know, there was the the one where you know, Dick Togo pulls red shoes out of the ring you know, at the 2.9 count or whatever. I thought that was done pretty well while I was watching it live and, and, and kind of getting enthralled with the story. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, Togo's there, right? Yeah, of course. And then, it, like, from that moment forward, I just kind of... But, yeah, there's so much in this match that didn't excite me, which is why I can't really put it above, like, a 3.5. But the stuff that I did excite me, and, and I thought was individual performance is so good, that, yeah, I can't go, like, below... I, I, I couldn't really... You know, go below three because I like to run with so much in it. But I, I, I have no, I have no issue with you because I, if you don't buy into those near falls and if you're not bought in to any of those, then yeah, this match offered absolutely nothing to you, basically because the work itself wasn't tremendous at all at any point.
0: The, well, yeah, the, 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 that one sequence though, I really thought was great with the German suplexes. That was a great sequence. Upon rewatch, I and I'm glad I rewatched the match because that sequence did not resonate with me the first time through because. I'm coming in grumpy, let's be honest, because I know what I'm going to get with Evil, and I'm probably fucking off on my phone. But that sequence really resonated with me on the rewatch. It really was a great sequence, because the whole story with the neck. Um, Because he had said he was going to break his neck before the match. So, you know, that was good. But the other problem I have with Evil, he just doesn't emote. I mean, I get that's his his character, but it's also a a character.
1: (laughs) It's a bad character. I'm sorry. It's like, that's, that's the thing that I keep getting a lot, you know, and and we we have this argument all the time with with, with wrestling fans. We're like, oh, that's the story. Well, okay, yeah, but the story sucks. Like, you know, it's like the idea that you. Well, that's his character. Well, that's his persona. Well, that's the story. I don't care that that's the story or whatever. Like, it's a shitty story.
0: That's you know? a good person. Well, that's a good persona for the third guy in a unit. The stoic. I I mean business. I'm not gonna fucking cut fiery promos, like that is fine. But he's in a different role now, and. Just changing his gear and, you know, putting some purple and letting his hair down. It's not cutting it. I mean, you got to – you know, that's not – it hasn't been enough. You know, I want to cut off that dopey hair. Don't even get me started on his haircut. But it's like that's – it's it's not enough. It's like you, he's got to change everything if, if the idea is to be a top guy. I mean he just doesn't emote. I mean he just has the same look on his face for years. It, it, the look on his face is I just farted but don't want to get blamed for the fart. That's the look he has on his face, and he's had that look on his face since 2016. And he just, it just, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come across any different now than he did when he was in Lij, other than the gear that he's wearing. So that's a big problem in these matches too, you know. Hiromu is out there, you know, uh, emoting and 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 selling his ass off, and he looks, you know, it, it's just. It's like you alluded to earlier. There's just such a difference in quality between the two wrestlers, and that you can't really. And the thing about Evil is, I don't even think he's like a terrible wrestler, but when you're in this role, this right, right. This time. is big
1: boy. This is, yeah, big boy. Get your this big is... boy pants on, buddy. <laughs> like, this is, you know, let's go. But now let's...
0: I'm going to be super critical on all of these things that I might not be as critical on when you're in a never title match or if you're in some fucking six man in the beginning of the card. But this is big boy territory, and you're going to get judged like a big boy. You're getting judged. Like Naito and Okada and yeah, ju- Just
1: fine or adequate isn't going to do it, pal. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. So now look, now he's only had, you know, one title defense. If you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, he might even lose the damn thing in his next match. But, you know, it's like, should you give someone time? Of course. I mean, you know, maybe he develops into the role and a year from now we're raving about him. And once again, we're saying how brilliant that Gato is, who he had the foresight to go with someone cuz when has gato ever gone with someone and it didn't work
1: right i know
0: so it's it's like you got to give if you give anyone the benefit of the doubt it's that guy and if he said 18 months ago he was going to do this that means he was planning on it before then and building to this and I, you know if the guy has never had a miss why would i think he you know you got to give him the benefit of the doubt maybe this won't miss either so we had shingo and desperado You know, I'm not dumping on that match. It just, look, it was a good match. You know, I'd go three and a half, three and three quarters or something. But um, I just have a higher bar for Shingo, especially since I love Despi. I really was thinking that they were just going to go out there and, and kill it. It didn't really happen. They told a nice little story with Shingo's leg. And I will say this about Shingo. For all the talk that nobody in Dragon Gate sells... This guy was selling that leg on both Cork and shows. <laughs> <I know. laughs> on both Cork and shows, he was still selling that leg. How great is this guy? I'm tired of, of picking on shit. How great is Shingo?
1: Yeah, and then does a promo after the uh, the main event and says, well, Haruma told us not to run out. That's why we didn't run out to kind of cover for why nobody came out, even though nobody exactly. else can say this. Sonata can't get off his ass and say that's why he didn't come out. But Shingo can oh. right out, flat out say, well, the reason we didn't come out is because, you know, he told us not to. So. Well
0: the guy was in Dragon Gate for ten years where story is everything and every story they tell makes precise sense. And long term. He's coming from a promotion where shit that they do matters eight years later. Guys that feud with each other still hate each other when they're in the same unit a decade later. Yeah, so side course, eyes.
1: Side eyes are plenty, which is awesome. I love yeah, that. They, about and and like they
0: won't team with each other or whatever the fuck. <laughs> right. Like it, like that. He comes from an environment where the story is everything and the story matters. So, of course, he's going to be a guy to get out in front of it and think to himself, OK, I have to make this make some sense logically or people aren't going to believe in my character anymore. So he gets out there and says, Hiromu didn't want us out there. Right, because so it makes him look
1: him. like a geek. It makes, you know, guys like Sonata who never cover, never say anything about that. And and I don't know if that was the again if that was the plan or if that was what everybody was gonna say I know Harumu kinda said that afterwards too, which again I have no issue with. They they addressed it. Like in the moment I had an issue with it, but they addressed it. But I love that Shingo says, Well, hey, look, I would have been out there, but he told me not to go out. Like, boom. That's all I need out of it. That's all I need is Shingo saying, Hey, look, I'd go out and kick those bullet club guys' asses. Fuck those guys, but he told me not to, so I didn't come out. Like perfect. Yeah. That's why that's what I love in wrestling. Like that guy saying, Well, hey, I would have whooped the shit out of those guys, but I was told not to, so I stayed out of it. You know? Yeah.
0: Fine, That's so uh, logical. Good on you, uh, yeah, yeah, but what'd you think of the match?
1: Uh, you know, fine. It, it, it I I came in with pretty high expectations. You know, I called it the real main event as I was kind of live tweeting or whatever, and it was good, but it wasn't like yeah, I, I'm expecting this just absolute banger, this just unbelievable match. And it you know, Shingo took his head off a few times, and Dusty took some good bombs, but ultimately I don't know the the match. It just didn't seem like it ever got into the next gear. So I'm, I'm probably about three and a half with this one as well, which is is super disappointing given you know. Um, the expectations I had going in. So
0: the, the thing is, on a typical New Japan show, if there's a three and a half star never match, you know, surrounded by your typical four and a half star main event and two other bangers on the undercard somewhere, you don't. Really, it doesn't stick out. You're like, oh, this was another match on a really good show. The problem is, this was the best match on the show, so it really stands out that it was a letdown. Like. Right. This can't be the best match on a show. And neither can Evil Horomu, even if you liked it. Because they're not... Typically, these are not matches that are good enough to be the best match on a New Japan show. And how many New Japan shows in history have had shows where two matches of this quality were, the, were not only the two best matches on the show, but the only two matches that were worth a shit on the entire show? The answer is never. This is why I'm so down on Sengoku Lord. And Dominion. And the New Japan Cup Final. Three straight shows. Rich, do you remember the days when a typical New Japan Big Show was a banger, like, junior tag title match? You know, three and a half stars or whatever opener. High, high energy. You know. Then some tags that mean nothing. And then everything after intermission fucking crushed. Yeah, the next
1: four it. matches were awesome. <laughs> right.
0: Do you remember those days? Oh, I do. And, and they were fucking great. And you'd look forward to it and, and everything else. Crazy days. Crazy days, Rich. They're long gone. They're long gone. That's why I say these three shows. I'm not compa- I'm not going oh well, you know, they're facing issues. No. Everyone's facing issues. These are just not have been enjoyable shows. I don't care the reason. I can acknowledge the reason without being like, you know, without I'm not grading on a curve is what I'm trying to say. Should I be? Am I wrong? Tell me. I'm willing to listen. Let's talking to you, not the listeners. Am I? Is grading on a curve like the wrong?
1: No, not at all.
0: I mean, I, I, I mean, the correct. Should I be grading on a curve? Is what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't liked these shows. They just they, there's nothing on them. Oh, anyway, I, I did
1: a, I did a bad thing where I went and looked at old New Japan shows
0: and. Oh, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> I'm just gonna now, close out. It's so bad.
1: Summers are so good. Oh God, damn it. Oh, man, so here, just a random, like, there, there's some that, like, are, are more of recent vintage. I'm trying to go back to some other ones. So, Dominion in uh, 2015. Uh, Dominion 2015. There's a dark match. Doesn't That dark match, you know, it doesn't matter, whatever. Uh, opener is the uh, Bucks Rapongi Vice Red Dragon, which I'm sure was yeah. fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we talked about them every I single...
0: I don't remember that specific one, but every one of those matches is, like, really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, then we had Naito and Hanma versus the Bullet Club. Uh, Bad Luck following Yujiro. That's, uh... That didn't sound very good, so that, but that's alright. Uh, then we had Shibata versus Sakuraba, which I don't know if you remember, but that one was actually good. It was like one of the awesome Sakuraba matches.
0: Alright.
1: Uh, then we had Kushida and Kenny Omega, junior heavyweight title. Yeah. Then we had never openweight, Makabe versus Ishii. Yep, yep. Uh, then we had just some random IWGP title match with Uh, the kingdom (laughs) there's gals and Anderson not great but hey that's fine uh Tanahashi and Toru Yano not great and then we had Goto and Nakamura for the IC title and then Okada versus AJ Styles in the main event
0: so you've got like four or five really good matches (laughs) minimum.
1: so if we go by you know wrestling observer ratings which again I know aren't aren't but we have one two three four four plus star matches and then uh a three and three quarter a three and three quarter a three and a half
0: (laughs) yes Yeah, and now we're getting shows with like two little three and a half star matches, and people are getting mad at me because I say the shows aren't good. I mean, you know, it's 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 the standard. I mean, yeah. and even by and even by any standard, these aren't good shows. There's not a promotion in the world that would put up shows of the quality of New Japan Cup Final Dominion and Sengoku Lord where people would be saying they were good shows. There just isn't because they, 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 there's no depth, in the and the top matches aren't good enough. Okay, so now we move on. We had uh, Okada versus Yujiro, and uh, look, there's a nothing match. Okada's just going through the motions. I have a theory on Okada. Do you want to hear it?
1: Oh Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested.
0: Do you remember the last, uh, like, two, three years ago, uh, I would always write both in the book, which are still on sale on Amazon, by the way, New Japan Wrestling uh, Year in Review books. In the books, on this podcast, in my reviews, I would often write that unlike a lot of the other big stars in New Japan, Kazuchika Okada was a very good tag wrestler because no matter what the match or where on the card, he would always work really hard, whether it was tag matches, six-man tags, and obviously his singles matches. And it was because he was like 26 years old and was still full of piss and vinegar and his body hadn't broken down yet. So he's going out there and and, and working like a maniac no matter the situation. I feel like those days are over. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's had a bad neck. His injuries are piling up. He's wrestled Mm. a bunch of You're depressing me. (laughs) You're depressing me now. Stop. And and I feel like he's now reached the point that Tanahashi and Naito and others have been at for for years now. In that he's not going to push himself in tag team matches anymore. He's not going to push himself when he's wrestling Yujiro. Mm -hmm. He's not going to push himself in New Japan Cup matches in empty fucking buildings with no fans. He's just at that point now. He's t-shirt Naito. Naito wrestles these tags in his t-shirt. He didn't give a flying fuck. The only times are when L.I.J. and Chaos were having those really good six bands. Remember that a couple of years ago? Uh, You know, those he tried. Other than that, and I can't blame him, Naito has no knees. It's cartilage on cartilage. Tanahashi. When has he ever given a fuck about tag matches until the Ibushi thing? That was always his biggest critique. He just mails it in in the tag matches. Makabe. We all know his story. The guy doesn't even take bumps. <laughs> he doesn't tag anymore. <laughs> he doesn't even bother. Sometimes he doesn't. There was a
1: while where back. he wouldn't bump, and now he just doesn't tag. In. <laughs>
0: just... Yeah, there's matches now where he doesn't even tag in. Which the I,
1: I appreciate. That's some real. That's some real solid. Just like fucking. do You guys have fun. I'm good. I'll be here. So
0: what show? Well, I'm never gonna remember it, but that one show where he got in a brawl with someone on the other team, and they just like <laughs> hugged, They just hugged each other on the railing. For the whole match. And he never tagged in. It's fucking brilliant, you know? But I'm saying, I think Okada has reached the, I am not trying unless I'm in a main event stage of his career. And yes, it is a little sad. But I think that's what's happening. Because you look at this uh, Yujiro match. Now look, what are you going to do with a Yujiro? And that's an exact quote from a wrestler who used to be in New Japan. (laughs) but what, but, but what are you gonna do can
1: we, put him, can we launch into the fucking moon man I, if, if Yudro never came back I would never fucking care you know what I mean if they just said yeah. Yudro's gone to his home planet and, and he won't be back I'd just be like alright whatever <laughs> Like I I would never <laughs> think of that guy again until we had to write his profile in the New Japan ebook and then I would never remember him ever again after that so
0: yeah so it's like what are you gonna do with a Udro? I get it but it's like he knows that too and this is a nothing match it's rich it's a two star match he went out there and uh, sold for a little while and then but what I did like was the finish. He puts the fucking choke on, but then he says, no, no, no. Then he gives a tombstone to the guy and then puts the choke on again to say, fuck this guy. He's firmly in the rear view. Yeah, I, I love that. Him. The camel clutch
1: just like, get out of my fucking ring, you geek. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no better way to say it, which is.
0: But I, I mean, this, can't. but listen, listen, this is your third from the top match in current New Japan. It's ugly, Rich.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. It's that's just not- saying. I'm, I'm reading these other things, and it's like these great junior heavyweight tag matches, or it's fucking you know Naito versus whoever. It's you know a big time match with Shibata, and now it's like you know the third from the top is Okada just playing with a literally wrestling with a a stick figure and just beating him in 18 minutes with a camel clutch or whatever. So yeah.
0: So we have Tanahashi, Ibushi, Tenzan, and Wato. Tenzan <laughs> is now pals with Wato along with Nagata.
1: Give them the I do. You know, give them the tag team title shot. You know what I mean? Have have the fucking Bullet Club versus those guys. Who cares, right?
0: Fine. I, he could do something. I mean, it, it's better than this that we're about to talk about um, versus, you know, the five Suzuki gun guys. And this was just to heat up, continue to heat up Nagata Suzuki. I get it. Uh, it's a nothing match. You I slapped each other. Like, that
1: was fun. I like the slaps. Yeah, that's it.
0: I have nothing to add. And, um, you know, everyone's ironically into Watto. And that's cool because at least, like, I'm not ironically into Watto. I kind of think he stinks, if I'm being honest. But, at least it's something else for people to be interested in on these shows because you know, a new guy and all that. So, that's from that perspective. Um, so we have Bushi, Sonata, and Naito, uh, against uh, Goto Show and Yoshihashi. Um, do you have anything to add? I mean, <laughs> no,
1: I just added a yawn there, but... It's a fucking I'm yawning story. just thinking about that, match. that. Was a shoot yawn too. Uh, yeah, um.
0: This undercard was rougher, it's just so it hard was to not watch. You not know, the thing is, you know you're not getting that payoff at the end, you know? That's the big problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: watched this in reverse because um, I watched those top three matches live and then went back. And I was just like, oh, god damn it. Like, not yeah, the greatest it's... way to spend a Saturday, I will tell you that. So,
0: so Taguchi, Kojima, and Makabe against Ishii, Yano, and Gabriel Kidd. They're doing this thing where Makabe and Gabriel Kidd are like embroiled in a feud. Yeah,
1: which I like. I, that's pretty solid.
0: Do something. I'm okay with yeah,
1: anything. Like we're literally our our motto is just fucking do something, is is basically where we're at these days. So, so if
0: you can do Macabe against a young lion, why can't you do other little things like that on the undercard to give it a little juice? I don't get it. And why hasn't you know is Makabe Gabriel Kidd going to be booked at some point? I really hope so. They seem to be building towards it. So um and why can't something like this be a match for to just the decision match for the never six man titles? Just give it some juice. Right. We'd probably have some things to say about it if that's the direction, but they just, they, you know, and then uh, Ishimori versus uh, Yuya Uwamura. Um This was a singles win for Ishimori to set him up for the junior title uh, match that he's going to have with Hiromu coming up. So, um, which is fine. I mean, there's not a lot of challengers around because of the roster. I have no problem with an Ishimori Hiromu program and, I believe they're working Hiromu's injury. I don't know how you feel about that, um, and because I think his injury is a work, I think there's a real good chance Ishimori wins the title and that we get an extended program between these two.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good theory. Um, just because at this point I think it's clear that Hiromu needs to move on to bigger and better things at this point. So, which I thought a long time ago as well. Like I don't I don't think he needed this current title run that he's on or whatever. But if you want to reestablish him or whatever, i get it. He'd come back from injury. But I'm kind of with you, too. I, I, I don't know that I would say it's a work, but I think I, – I don't know. I don't know definitively if it is or not. But I do think that with this match coming up, uh, the time is now to, to have Ishimura win that. It adds a little bit more heat to the L.I.J. Bullet Club thing. Ishimura, I think, can do a lot more with that title right now, and then it elevates Romo up to, to another level. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it makes all the sense in the world that that's the direction to go.
0: I just think if the injury is a work – that's a tip-off that because that gives Hiromu an out when he loses.
1: Sure, right, right. And, I, and you know, again, oh. <laughs> we will say they have to remind people about this, particularly with uh, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, is that uh, pro wrestling is the uh, art of faking that you're hurt if you're not actually hurt. There's been many times throughout the history of that company. Uh, that that's we 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 usually actually around this time of year every single uh, you know we we have to say this with you know Hiroshi Tanahashi comes into every G one with ah you know my elbow or ah yeah. my ankle or ah, my shoulder and then you know for three weeks <laughs> everybody pounds on their you know Tanahashi's shoulder ankle or elbow or whatever and people go oh my god I can't believe Tanahashi's working with a hurt elbow oh it's taped up too oh man and now Zach Saber is putting it, the taped up elbow in submission holds. Oh yeah. God, that's not safe! And it's like he's wrestling. Like...
0: Yeah, he's like the smartest wrestler of all time, <laughs> right. and he's giving his matches instant fucking uh, uh, psychology. <laughs>
1: but you know? it's a reminder every single year when I see people go like, "Oh, this is ridiculous! I can't believe Tanahashi's even in this. They shouldn't let him wrestle." <laughs> it's like he's I...
0: when in reality it's probably some other part of his body that's legitimately yes, exactly.
1: That's the, the classic, <laughs> the classic way to sell is say, "Yeah, my left knee it hurts," even though your right knee is the one that's fucked. You know what I mean? So.
0: Right, um, but that was Sengoku Lord. I I cannot fathom how anyone thinks that was a good show. Yeah, no. look at that show. The fuck, I mean that was like, I don't know. Why well, belabor the point? Yeah, but true. um, the uh, we talked about the uh, King of Pro Wrestling gimmick. Did I, I had another point to make? on New Japan, and I can't remember it, but it was probably very negative.
1: (laughs) I'm sure. Well, well, actually, one, (laughs) one thing real quick before we move on from the KOPW... Uh, we did. I think I did forget to mention this part, too, for people that do not know all about uh, what's going on. So we said that, you know, it's going to be on the 26th on Corkin. They're going to do that little tournament here. What's going to happen, though, is the winner of those four matches are going to have a four-way match, which is a little right. icky uh, at the Jingu Stadium show. Uh, it'll be under what they call, quote, traditional four-way match rules in the first-ever crown uh, the first ever champion will be crowned, so there'll be gimmicks, gimmicks, gimmicks uh, for the tournament. But then the match, the, the the final match itself, will just be a quote traditional four way match. So, well,
0: Okada explained that the four way in itself is a stipulation. Yes, this is just so... <laughs> it's so like it's it's not confusing. It's convoluted. That's the word. It's just convoluted, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, it on. feels like, like
1: a, a, a built like a a Jim Hurd era like W C W thing where like Jim Ross yeah. gotta be like, All right, well the rules are simple for this and he's like, you know, he explains it <laughs> explains it for they're, twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Gary Michael Cabetta's gotta oh the rules for the battle bowl. Right. <laughs> Eight yeah. card participants will pick a out of random, then those five participants will face off in a battle royal. Then the battle royal winner will move to ring number one. it's like this doesn't sound very easy. It, you know like, that, they would always say that. That's the best part about any of those era things. Jim Ross, like, well, very simple to follow. <laughs> it's like, you know, the screen just yeah. fills with rules. And you're like, that's not easy. Though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, but, I look, I hope this thing is good. I, I'm going to reserve judgment. Uh, I got to say the announcement was kind of silly and came off flat. Um, it's just I uh, new Japan really needs an injection of excitement and Evil's not the guy to do it. So something has to inject this company with some life. And maybe Okada's Dopey Little Tournament will be the thing to do that. Um, You know, uh, we'll find out. Uh, Rich, we're going to move on from New Japan. We spent a lot of time on New Japan. Um, What was our next scheduled topic? Because I have to be honest, I think I have a topic for you. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Uh, well, the next schedule was supposed to be the, uh, little bit of WWE. Oh, no.
0: no, 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 no. I have a topic for you, my okay. friend. Yes. I have to wait for this ad to play. Yeah, that's Hold fine.
1: On. That's fine. What a surprise. It's I have no idea template. what you have in store for me right here, but I will wait patiently.
0: That's right, Rich. We're here to play a game, one that you were totally not prepared for. Normally we play what brands he play for, but that's not what we're playing oh, today. No, I was
1: trying to think of why you would be playing that game right now, but oh dear God, what are we playing?
0: You know, with the COVID era, a lot of promotions have been shut down. And as those promotions have been shut down, they sort of been out of sight and out of mind. So today we're going to play a game, and it's called Who's the Champ? As I present you title belts, and Rich tries to remember, who is the champ? Uh Uh-oh. Rich, are you ready to play?
1: No, I am not.
0: Who's the champ? I am not.
1: I did not agree to this.
0: Our first title. Are you ready, Rich?
1: I did not give consent to this whatsoever, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Rich, who are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions? Oh God! Is
1: it A? Okay. Oh, multiple choice. Good. Okay. Glad I got you,
0: you, you always get multiple choice. I always
1: feel like I don't, That's but yeah, I always do. I know, I know. I always freak out thinking I will not get multiple choice, but I always do. So I appreciate that. Okay.
0: Is it A, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham? Is it B, Party Marty Skrull and Brody King, or is it C, Done in Marcos the Ring Crew Express? <laughs>
1: I think I could definitively uh, remove C from that list, uh, unless Ring of Honor got real weird before COVID. Um, I believe, unfortunately, it is B, Party Marty and uh, and Brody King.
0: So your answer is B, Marty Skrull and Brody King. Yes. And... The Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions are Jay Lethal, hmm and jonathan oh, that's
1: better i guess for them <laughs> okay matter.
0: roll for one but we're getting loose yeah
1: yeah 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 okay
0: we're getting loose rich who is the progress champion <laughs> is it a paul robinson b walter or c Karen noir
1: Ooh, i do know i think i know this one i believe it is c Karen noir
0: See Karen
1: Noir. I think they won. The, yeah, they won uh, Karen Award won the, won the title right before uh, COVID, if I remember correctly. May have switched since then, but that's my answer. So. Ding 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 there ding. There we ding, go. Yeah, ding, I remember that. That was like like late February, right? There was like not much time in between that title win and uh, you know the thing. Good job
0: out of you. Good job out of you. Right, you. There we go. We're going to move on to number three. This one's a little trickier, Rich. Let's see if you remember. Who the Shimmer champion was before the shutdown.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I knew who the Shimmer champion was at any point in the last decade, but yeah, sure, go ahead. All right.
0: Was it A, Kimberly? B, Nicole Savoy? Or C, Ivelisse?
1: All right, I think the safe answer usually is going to be Nicole Savoy. I was actually going to say Nicole Savoy before you gave any of the uh, uh, multiple choice. So I'm going to go, final answer, B, Nicole Savoy.
0: Is the music coming through okay?
1: It is. It is. It sounds fantastic.
0: And really? Sorry, sir. The current Shimmer champion was A. Ugh. Ugh. Why? <laughs> we got a couple more. We got a couple more. So uh, this one, I, I have faith in you, Rich. Who is the MLW national champion? Is it A, Flying Brian Pillman Jr. B, Low Key, or C? Hammerstone.
1: Okay, so I I think I know this one because I'm a big fan. Uh enjoyed his matches in in the last year. Oh, that is my main man, Alexander Hammerstone. I think he's the only champion ever, right? Isn't he the inaugural champion? He's it, right? <laughs> he's the only one that's ever won it, right?
0: Now this is perfect because I have one more left, and you're two for two. Oh man. And for the final question, Rich, we have to switch up the music. Oh no. <laughs> That's right.
1: <clears throat> What's going on guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, and I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Ufi, and let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Ufi Video Smart E3. goofyofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network
0: here's the new music All right. who are the nxt uk tag <laughs> is it mark and joe Coffey? is it mark coffee and wolfgang Or is it Joe Poppy and Wolfgang? Oh my
1: god. (laughs) What an unholy name are these teams. Oh god.
0: Which pair of Gallus? (laughs) Why are there so many Gallus
1: champions? (laughs) Have multiple members of Gallus won the title? The tag team titles? Or is there only one?
0: Enjoy the music while you think. Okay.
1: Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> sorry can you uh, I hate to do this to our, our listeners and make them listen to this song more uh, can you give me the choices once more sure okay so they're all they're all three Gallus teams correct
0: correct All right. are the NXT UK tag team champions <laughs> A Mark Coffee and Joe Coffee
1: Mark okay Mark and Joe okay
0: B Mark Coffee and Wolfgang or C Joe Coffee and Wolfgang
1: Okay, so I think Joe Coffee's like he's a little bit of level. Well, mm. <laughs> I hope it's not Wolfgang because uh, he's he's canceled, right? Um, I'm gonna go with Joe and Mark, which I think was A, wasn't that A? That was A. That was A. I'm gonna go with Joe and Mark coffee as the galaxy. You're going together.
0: with the coffee brothers. Yes. The canceled one and the non-cancelled one.
1: <laughs> oh, I forgot the multiple ones are canceled. I'm thinking in like, well, geez, I hope it's not Wolfgang because he's canceled. Which which of the coffees got canceled? Joe. Okay, Joe got canceled. Okay. Um, the pushed one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All that's right. my final answer. Mark, Mark and Joe, the coffees.
0: Okay. We're gonna enjoy this jam for a couple more seconds. <laughs> Admit that you miss it, Rich.
1: I kind of do now that I think about it. It's like it's it's fun, bad, but I I came to I came to love it. So you know, I came to love Gallus. I came to love NXT UK in general. So I I do miss it a little bit.
0: What? (laughs) I'm sorry, Rich. The NXT UK Tag Team Champions are Gallus, Mark Coffee, and Wolfgang.
1: I kind of was hoping it was Joe Coffee and (laughs) Wolfgang. Just cancel like the real cancel culture.
0: Yeah, those two guys come out and uh, correct, but it was the incorrect answer. Damn. It is uh, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Uh, also, one man canceled and one man not canceled. Unfortunately, Rich, uh, in this week's game, you had two correct and three incorrect. But I want to thank you for playing as close. always. Yeah,
1: thank you. That it was, it, it was a fun game as always. So thank you. I
0: have to admit it was a very tough game. I think I would have lost this game this week with all of these dead promotions that aren't running during COVID. Some tricky questions. The Kimberly
1: one, really, yeah, that one shook me, so.
0: But you gave it a good go. Unfortunately, you win nothing.
1: Mm. What are they going to do with those NXT UK titles? Like, what are they going to do with NXT UK? Like, at some point, it's going to have to, like, kind of come back, right? Who's yeah, on the roster? I, Who's left? That's I mean, not a cancel. Like,
0: they because uh, it's 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 pretty it's
1: pretty messy there in the old uh, United Kingdom. So
0: they moved. Um, hold on, let me get my notes. I don't know if you saw this, Rich, but they have moved Ridge Holland to NXT proper. Oh, so there's one move. There's one move. Um, I would suspect that they're going to. I don't know how they got them over here. That's another question that needs to be answered. <laughs> but um, I suspect they're going to move yeah, the right. ones that yeah, aren't.
1: That's weird how that happened. All right, whatever.
0: The ones that aren't canceled and have any value will probably be moved to NXT proper. And then you can build NXT UK around, you know who? Joseph Connors, not canceled. <laughs> right? so, I was going to say.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because yeah, since Gala gone, right? Johnny Saints is fine because he's too old and. And weird. So, skins... uh, listen.
0: There's a lot of canceled ones that haven't officially been fired yet, like Sid Scala, Joe Coffee, the Wolfgang um, Devlin. If you want to throw him mm-hmm. in there, I think they're kind of waiting out Devlin because they like him. I think he's going to skate. Um, because all they fired was Banks and Lagero. Mm-hmm. I might be, I might be missing one more, but um, uh, well, Jack Gallagher was a 205 live guy, but um. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's not a ton of meat left on those bones. I think they should just you know, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate have like sketchy accusations. Yeah, yeah yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Did did Dun Dunn was able to kinda of survive, right?
0: Dunn got no, Dunn's clean. Dunn's clean. Good for him. Dunn no accusations. Um Seven lawyered up. Um uh Bate, his are like I don't know, people know he has some Scattered ones. It's I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. But I'll tell you who has no accusations. Joseph Connors. <laughs> Joseph Connors. You're getting more Joe Connors. Okay. That's a guarantee. Um, you lost at the game, though, unfortunately. Yeah, well. Um, can't win them good all. luck next time. I will once again do it in like six weeks when you're not expecting it. But um, look, anytime you can listen to the Gallus theme. It's a good
1: day. I do, I you know, I actually do miss that song a lot now that I hear it. Um, hey, <laughs> now! It makes no sense. It makes no sense for those guys, too. Like, anybody listening to this that has never watched NXT UK assumes that this is, like, a biker gang. You know what I mean? Like, guys that come out on, like, motorcycles or wearing leather or whatever. No, they're, like, Scottish dudes. <laughs> like, you know, it's impossible to try to explain what Gallus is or why that's their song, but... uh I do appreciate the Gallus song a little bit. So, I especially love those episodes like a year ago where, like, literally just played. They may as well have just played the Gallus theme over the entire episode because there was so much Gallus.
0: You can't picture these three guys kicking in the door of a pub and walking in while that song plays. Not really. No one.
1: (laughs) I won't deny that it's a great, it's a pretty, it's a solid, it's a solid jam. It's not a bad jam. So, I can't deny that. So,
0: the problem is that song instantly means the show you're watching is going to get a lot worse.
1: <laughs> right. It means bad wrestlers are coming into the match. So.
0: Right. That's the problem with the Gallus theme song. So more than the st- more than the song itself, it means a really bad Joe coffee match is about to take place. And that's really uh, what it comes down to with the Gallus. Um what do we got next, Rich? Let's
1: talk about WWE. Uh, their second quarter, uh, the quarter where they had to fire everybody because, god damn it, they just had to. That's just the way the wrestling business is going, that you just got to fire people. Uh, turns out that uh, year-to-date revenues reached a record uh, fifty-one or four, $514.4 million year-to-date, representing a 14% growth uh, from the prior year. So they're doing better than ever, actually. So. Good for them. Shocker! <laughs> know, shocker. It's shocker. Stunned. Stunned. I can't believe now uh, after hearing that it's just it's just something you got to do. Business is business, you know. Yes, we're the only re- wrestling promotion that's fired anybody, but you know it is what it is. And well, they're actually making more money than they've ever made. So,
0: do you remember Bubba Starling?
1: I do remember Bubba Starling.
0: First round draft pick. Yeah, Royals. yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, I saw him. I saw him playing the minors a lot because he played in King County, which is the uh, ballpark near uh, me. So.
0: Played in the minors for a long time. Yes, I saw
1: a lot of Bubba Star. I remember there was one year where I went and I said, oh boy, still an A ball. That's not good. <laughs> Can't be good."
0: So, uh, out, of, out of options, so he's on the team this year, the 30 man rosters. Uh, Base is clearing. Uh, Base is loaded. Double. Good there for Bubba go. Star. Yeah, good for him. Just give the Royals the lead. As you get your live baseball update here, um, yeah. So you know, ML- yeah, yeah, WWE. Uh, did you did you uh want to bring up that they're now doing stock buybacks because they're doing so well and uh in this environment that their 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 profits have exceeded expectations to such a degree they're now doing stock buybacks but yes as rich point as, as uh, rich pointed out they did in fact have to lay off all of that staff to survive as triple h put it what were Triple H's exact words? Uh, his
1: exact words, uh, actually, I think I have it. One, one moment here. Let's uh, let me get it. Just so, I, just so, Mr. Paul Levesque. It's you know, I don't misquote. One, uh, yes. Paul Levesque. Uh, quote yeah,
0: don't, don't misquote the game. No.
1: This
0: is, uh, <laughs> this is the man, Paul Levesque.
1: So. Uh, quote, No one wants to see anybody lose their job, especially in the world right now. But a lot of companies around the world are having to make tough business decisions in this moment, uh, in time to ensure that they are still there.
0: To ensure that they are still there.
1: Yeah. W still here
0: they they had to do it rich to to exist to exist they had to make these moves. Also,
1: what completely that, unrelated. Uh, quote: <laughs> Let me let me read from the uh, the WWE yeah. uh, uh, COVID actions and business outlook section of their uh, their quarterly report today. Uh, quote: Due to COVID nineteen and related government mandated impacts on WWE, the company continued its various short term cost reductions and cash flow improvement actions. Uh, these actions contributed to WWE's enhanced li- li- liquidity, uh, which reached four five hundred forty eight million dollars in cash and short term investments as of June thirtieth. 2020. That's pretty good. A little bit more than what's in your bank account, I'm assuming. Uh, The company is continuing to adapt its business to the changing environment with a focus on enhancing production of content and furthering fan engagement. Uh, Management may resume its opportunistic acquisition of stock under the company's $500 million or $500 million share repurchase program, subject to WWE's business outlook and liquidity, as well as other share repurchases, compare favorably to other capital allocation alternatives. So, management may buy their stocks back. Yes. Which they stopped doing for a while. But now because they have so much money yes. on hand, they can start doing it again.
0: So much more money than they were expecting. <laughs> while, by the way, keep in mind, during the period of time we're talking about, they were still paying all the people they laid off.
1: Yeah, that so, hasn't even hit yet. Yeah, most of, most of the layoffs haven't even hit yet.
0: None of those savings have hit the bottom line yet. They were still paying all of these people while exceeding... All of their projections, and their, uh, obviously, because of the television deals, their revenues and profits from la- from year over year. So, is this, Rich, the biggest victory lap in the history of the flagship podcast?
1: It might be, yeah. The idea that, like, another thing, too. They they, they quadrupled their profits from last
0: year's quarter. Quadrupled. Why? And keep in mind, while paying all the people they cut, because that hasn't kicked in yet. Right. Quadrupled. Exactly like we said would happen, except more.
1: Yeah, we more than wrong. anybody thought they were going to make. We thought they'd come out ahead. They came out so much far ahead than anybody yes. thought. It's
0: just unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you why. And Brandon Howard Thurston was on top of this weeks ago, but Dave Meltzer caught up today because none of us factored in the savings for running all of the TV out of the performance center. And because of that, the mass tapings, doing it all in a location that they own, not traveling around the country. No shows, which, robings. again,
1: I'm on year three of saying I'm I can't gonna, believe they're I'm still gonna, running those things. But, yeah, go ahead. I'm
0: going to kick that to you because I know that's your area. I'm, I was going to get to that. So, so hold that thought. But because they're running TV in one central location and saving all of that money, they've made more money than we all thought they were going to make when we already thought they were going to have record profits despite the pandemic, which is astounding. And without any of the savings from the cuts, which are not coming until the next report and they've also which you've been pounding home for years and now I'm going to hand you the floor because I know this is your baby it turns out that there is even more evidence that house shows are bad go
1: yeah so so you know we we can you know look at overall like the revenues has declined in their in terms of their live event revenues right on its face whatever revenues declined to only a million dollars from 48 million dollars prior year quarter due to the absence of live events and all that sort of stuff so that makes okay that's a drop but that's only live event. that that's that category that's ticket sales live event sales all that sort of stuff but as you see from the other things like you know e-commerce they were able to get a huge spike in terms of people buying merchandise on online buying on wbshop.com, uh, obviously the tv deals obviously saving monies on 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 the, you know running the events uh, we've always talked about the human capital of house shows as well i mean it's 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 so blatant and so obvious at this point now that i'm i'm convinced i'm convinced that when they when when things come back to normal that house shows will never come back again in this company. There's just no sense. There's no point in doing it. They, they've the been the lost point. leaders for years, yep. and I'd argue they're not even a leader. They're just lost. They're just straight lost at this point. And I can't imagine in in, in that business room with Vince McMahon or or, or you know any of these stockholders or anybody thinking about this would say, yeah, we need to go back on the road. We need to be spending on these production costs and these travel and all this sort of stuff. There's just no reason to do it anymore. There's no reason.
0: Getting people work. Yeah. Reps. Um, that'd be like one reason, I guess, to give people reps. Um, the other one is, I guess if you really caught fire with the next stone cold, Steve Austin, you'd want to go back on the road. Cause then they make money again. If you're going to sell out right, these right, basketball right. arenas, that'd be another reason to do it, but they don't have, they're going on the road and drawing you know, 3000 people. I mean, it's just a waste of time. Uh, the only benefit they're getting now is just giving people reps. And if you have the performance center, doesn't that serve that purpose? I mean, I know it's not working in front of fans and it's not ideal, But you have your Largo loop, which, you know, gets those reps to the young wrestlers who need it. You know, there's an argument for does Randy Orton really need the reps? I mean, you know, when you talk about the main roster, if they're if the house shows aren't making money, then really, what purpose are they serving? Um,
1: Yeah, real real quickly,
0: is is. I mean, you're not who on the main roster needs the reps, you know, is is Ricochet going to improve? Uh, you know, is is 43-year-old Randy Orton going to improve? Is, you know, it's – it's. so what's the point?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to read some of these numbers here because that shows how, like, substantial the savings were. So operating income was $55.7 million in this quarter as compared to $17.1 million in the prior year quarter, primarily due to a decline in operating expenses that reflected lower content-related production and event costs, short-term cost reductions implemented, yada, yada, yada. So all that sort of stuff. So, firing people and not doing live event shows made their operating income go from 17 million the prior year quarter to 55.7 million. They're done. They're done.
0: Yeah.
1: You're never doing those again.
0: I mean, it's it's really amplifying. I mean, it's one of the things that's helping them make more money than ever during the pandemic, which is astounding.
1: Right. So, again, well, when we were arguing with these yeah. dopes that were saying, oh, because of WrestleMania, because they can't run the house shows, that's why they got to fire people. No, they're making more money than ever.
0: They they have have is basic this is basic business everybody's <laughs> doing it. What people in their own industry aren't doing it. What are you talking about? Right. Nobody's doing it.
1: Oh my god. You know? Yeah, think of how think of the savings that they've had. Just fucking they plop up that entranceway, they plop up those cameras and those things never move. There's no trucks, there's no travel, there's no plane tickets, there's nothing.
0: And network subs are up because people have nothing to do locked in their house. The network subs went up for the first time in ages on this report today. I don't know if you caught that. So COVID is helping them make more money. You know, forget just the TV deals. Like COVID is helping them profit with the lack of the traveling television show and the increase in network subs. It's crazy. But Triple H is out here telling – oh, I'm sorry. Paul Levesque. Yeah, Paul Levesque, yeah. Is out here telling people, ah, you know, it's so we can survive and be here in a year. It's fucking lunacy.
1: And Monday Night Messiah is saying it's just business. Everyone, it's how you have to survive yeah. in these tough times.
0: <laughs> yeah. That feckless dork. coward <laughs> yeah, dork. wouldn't talk to us anymore when he didn't think I'd bite back. But um, yeah, this is the biggest victory lap of all time. The thing is, Rich, all those people who were harassing us daily about this seem to have disappeared. Where Ghosts. are they? Are yeah. You listening? You listening? How come you don't add us anymore? With your uh, with your ill informed theories of why this had to be done, where are you? Where are you? They always disappear, Rich. They always disappear. Um, what's next? I'm tired. Yeah, of that's shit. it. Well,
1: congratulations to uh, World Wrestling <laughs> to Entertainment us. for making a shit ton of money. Congratulations. So,
0: congrats to us for being right, yes. like usual. Well, as
1: always, we're always right. That's right. People should catch up at this point. All right, so we've talked about a lot of wrestling we haven't enjoyed. Joe, let's talk about wrestling that you did enjoy. Jeremy Wyatt, Fred Yehi, Iron Man Match, St. Louis Anarchy, uh, Journey Pro. uh, Patreon subscribers, they can read your review right now. We have it up there uh, with the Joe Tackles' YouTube queue. We have a link to the playlist as well so you can find the match, uh, read your review at the same time. Uh, But the floor is yours. I've watched this match as well, so I can chime in a little bit. But you fucking love this match, and this is everything you wanted out of wrestling that you're not getting right now in a lot of places. Is that correct?
0: This is the best match I've seen in months. It's the best match of the COVID era. Um, surefire match of the year, contender. And one of the best 60-minute matches I've ever seen. How's that? Um, I just... You know, in 60-minute matches, you know, I, you know I, I struggle sometimes because I can't stand, you know, the idea of we're going to go 60, but then we're constantly going to kill time and do things in the match that we don't normally do just because we're going 60. Like slapping on a side headlock because I want to burn the next four and a half minutes. Or, uh, you know, just uh, killing time for the sake of it because we just got to get to the 60. Uh, None of that here. This was constant action, and everything that happened in all 60 minutes of this match was part of the larger story. This was just a brilliant... Brilliantly worked match by both guys, particularly Jeremy Wyatt, who I thought, I mean, he was just out of this world ridiculously great in this match. And Fred Yehai was very good, but Wyatt, uh, the subtlety of his work and, uh, you know, snapping after he lost the first fall and then taking the cheap shot at Yehi to start what would become, you know, the second fall, so to speak. And then working with that sort of heel edge for the rest of the match, but not in an over the top cartoonish way. He was just more I'll do whatever it takes to win. Right? Whereas Yehi as the babyface was just I'm going to be noble and and uh and 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 a pure baby face throughout this whole thing, while Wyatt was taking all of these small shortcuts all along the way. And um you know, I wrote a super long review. Anybody listening live can go read it right now. It's on the ten dollar tier, with the rest of the written content. But um, this is going to threaten to be my match of the year. That's how good I thought it was. Um, this is everything I want in my wrestling. Two wrestlers taking it seriously, no shtick, great commentary. We should talk about the commentary because I don't know how how you, what you felt how you felt about the commentary, but. I thought this was great. This was a three man booth and they understood the story. They enhanced the story. Um, they explained things they covered for things when they needed to. Um, so that helped. And it was just a huge dichotomy from the game changer commentary this weekend, which was some of the worst commentary I've ever heard in my life. And to me, it really hurts the shows. This commentary was great. Um, you know, with with uh, I'll give examples. Wyatt taps quickly in the first fall when he's locked in the Koji clutch. And immediately the commentators are speculating was it because he's hurt or was it because it's self preservation? Because yeah. he knows he's at, he knows he has fifty minutes to go in the rest of this match. Right. And then later on, Wyatt, he has a pile driver finish. He went to pile drive Yehai for the finish, but he didn't get him up all the way. I couldn't tell if it was just a minor flub. Or if it was part of the story, and the and the and the commentators it was Matt Jackson. As a matter of fact, the other Matt Jackson, not the AEW Matt Jackson, the former Pierre Abernathy, who's going by his real name now. He quickly jumped on it and said, "Well, you know, Yehai's been working on those legs the whole match. I don't think Wyatt was able to get the weight up." Now that may have legitimately been what Wyatt was doing, but whether it was or it wasn't, yeah. Because of the commentary, it now becomes part of the story of the match, and you can buy it. It's little things like that. The attention to detail. You know? And um, the commentary was 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 just as good all the way throughout. You know, with those two examples, and there were many other examples similar to that. So I thought the commentary helped the match out as well. It was uh, Matt Jackson, Ben Miller, who I'm not familiar with, and Sean Arleans were the commentators. And I thought they just did a tremendous job. And not just because... You know, Orleans used the line standing and pacing in my den. That has nothing to do
1: with my. <laughs> there was a lot of notebooks being referenced uh, and, and on that night as notebooks. well. Yeah.
0: Get out your notebooks. But, but no, the commentary was great. Um, you know, I'm not going to repeat my whole review. You can go read it because I wrote a lot of words about this match. And I really explain why I went the full five. I went five stars on this. That's how much I love this match. And. Some of it – I got one more point and then I'll turn it over to you. And some of it could be because I'm so down on everything else. Sitting through these fucking evil matches that I hate and sitting through WWE pay-per-views and watching a lot of the slop that Game Changer gives you on most of their shows. Maybe I'm so down on the rest of wrestling that when I was finally given a truly great match with great work and great storytelling – and you know two veteran wrestlers who are wrestling and great commentary and everybody taking it seriously that maybe all the shit i've been watching maybe the five star rating is kind of a byproduct of finally i have something i can sink my teeth into but that's what i felt when it was over and that's what i gave it i went the full 5 so i loved it it's got my strongest recommendation to everybody listening, um, and I just think it's a very strong match of the year contender. Rich Creach, go ahead.
1: There you go. So I, uh, I, I liked it as well. I didn't like it nearly as much as you. I did not go five stars on it, and and I, I totally get why you did. I totally get why that was a match at the time. When you watched it, that just kind of worked for you. You, you know what I mean? Because like, like when I watched it, I came away with very similar reactions to, to what you said. I just didn't. It didn't hit me on that emotional level the same way it, it did you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like you know when you watch wrestling matches as important as you know what's going on in the match as well. Particularly you know given in in, in this week when you've been just a deluge of of of, of shit going on in the wrestling world uh, right now and wrestling being bad seemingly everywhere. Uh, it was nice and refreshing to watch just two guys get in the ring. And just work their asses off for 60 minutes. And that that's really what I came away with liking this match so much for is that the pace is awesome. And I don't mean that they're just going balls to the wall for sixty minutes. I don't mean that you know they, they, they're just going crazy for sixty minutes. And oh my god, how they keep it up for sixty minutes? There, but the action never stops. Like it's one of these things where like even when they're in holds, every hold has. It's not just a guy lazily holding, you know, throwing in a side headlock and waiting for ten minutes to pass or whatever, or waiting for five minutes to pass or whatever. It's it's action. It's whether they're outside the ring, which is very rare. They're outside the ring. A lot of it's just in the ring. When holds are going on, guys are trying to get out of the holds, they're trying to get to the ropes, they're trying to break it as quickly as possible. Uh, When a guy's got a pinfall, he's trying to kick out as quick as possible and try to do, you know, there was all this stuff. There was all these, everything was just action, 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 without being a thousand moves. It was just everything, and and, and again, we talk about this all the time. We watch old wrestling as much as anybody. And we always say that this idea that, like, good wrestling is you got to slow things down and take your time and sit in a side headlock. It's just bullshit. You don't have to. And no, and not, no wrestling did that for a long time. Like, that's just not a thing that happened. We go in those, you know, on those deep dives. We're watching these Fantastics matches or whatever, or the Fantastics matches, and they're just going nuts. You know what I mean? Like, they just tag and they're just fucking punching and kicking and punching and kicking and doing moves and cheering. Like, it's just all action the entire time. And that's where I got out of this match is that, like, in these 60 minutes, there's no point where you're like, ah, geez, these guys are just wasting time. They don't waste any time in this match. Everything that happens is meaningful. Everything that happens has a purpose and has a reason and, and, and keeps you enthralled and keeps you engaged. And, and I thought the falls were spread out perfectly as well. It wasn't your stereotypical um, sort of You know falls coming at Because we've seen you know we've all seen Iron Man matches And you can kind of especially WWE Iron Man matches You can kind of close your eyes and guess And and assume when falls are going to happen This one I thought they were pretty varied I didn't know when they were going to happen They caught me by surprise at times There was as you said ones where you know Jeremy Wyatt just goes fuck it I'm going to tap out right now Because I don't want to you know I don't want this guy to break my arm or whatever. I'm going to just, you know, preserve myself or you know, attacking after a, a, a fall or whatnot, which is all really cool stuff. So I, I like that. Uh, again, I didn't love it as nearly as much as you did. I think I was three and three quarters with it, which is still a very good match, It's a really entertaining match. I was just below four on it. You know, maybe even if I wanted to convince myself, for if I ever watched it again, I could probably do that. But that doesn't mean I disliked it. Like I'm glad that you liked it as much as you did, and 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 yeah, it was refreshing too to just have a match that's just no bullshit. Two guys go in there to prove who's the better man, and one of them comes out as the winner. And and like you said, I thought the commentary. I I will say this about the commentary. I thought the the content of the commentary was good. I do think that they fell into the WWE trap a little bit of having to say oh every time an action move happens. You know, yeah. and that's not their fault. WWE has well, set that enlisted. standard for years.
0: They're, well, listen, they're not polished. Exactly it wasn't polished commentary, but it was good commentary that added to the match. Right. I thought the commentary helped the match, where most commentary hurts a match. Like the game changer commentary actively hurts the shows. Um, you know, this commentary, and I'm only using game changer because we're going to talk about game changer, right, which right, right. is it. but. You can go down the line for almost any indie. The commentary actively usually hurts the shows. This commentary helped, especially since I didn't know a ton about Wyatt coming in. I've seen him wrestle a couple times, but the commentary really helped me understand what he was doing and everything. And, and you know, um, and, and a lot of his moves and a lot of his holds and what he was going for. The other fall I really liked is when Wyatt fell behind. Um, he took Yehai to the outside and attacked him with the chair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he knew he was going to eat a DQ and lose a fall. But because Yehi was getting the better of him and had him on the ropes and had him, you know, selling that leg already, he needed to even the score physically. So he attacks Fred Yehi with the chair, accepts the DQ, but then figures, all right, I'm disqualified anyway. I'm going to kill him with the chair, and then I'm going to get that fall right back because I'm going to get a count out, right? So he destroys him with the chair and then gets into the ring, and he's telling the referee to count. So in other words, now he is even the living f- the, the playing field physically, but he's really not even going to fall behind because the DQ and the countout are going to cancel each other out. But then Yehi makes it back in at 19, and Wyatt has this look on his face like, ah, oh, fuck, like he, it backfired. And now he's just down another fall. So like he had this dastardly plan to get back into it, and he fucked himself over. And then the way he works for like the next four minutes mm-hmm. is just violent, like a cage, that like a fucking cornered animal. Because now he's like, now I'm down two falls. So he goes right after Yehai, and he's going up and doing those second rope elbow drops, one after another. Yeah, he was great. And-
1: Wyatt was really oh, great. I want to was- watch. I want to watch more of him for sure after this.
0: He was so good. And it's like, and he's going after him because he's like, now I'm now I'm now I'm playing from behind. Now I now I need to come from behind because my plan failed. Right. And every time he needed to take a, a little shortcut, he did. He wasn't some cartoonish heel. He wasn't Jerry Lawler hiding an imaginary chain. He wasn't fucking. <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't. There's no Garut he wires. Have, <laughs> yeah, he didn't have Dick Togo on the outside choking it. But what he would do is he would take little shortcuts when he had the opportunities, right? And 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 and, Yehi was just was not going to compromise his morals, and he was just going to wrestle it straight. And my God, the only, I was trying to think of other 60 minute matches where they didn't waste a second or they didn't blatantly stall at any point. And the only other one I'd come up with was was Okada Omega, the really long match they had, which I think is one of the greatest matches of all time. And if I'm thinking of Okada Omega, when I'm watching your match, you're doing something right because that's one of the greatest matches ever. Like the Okada Omega matches, uh, the one in particular, the one that went super long, um, you know, where just, that match was just enthralling for 90 straight minutes or whatever it was. 70, 80. Your dog okay over there? Yeah, he's, he's fine. That's um, He's
1: just excited about the nurse coming home. So That's oh, his yeah. yawn. A very... I bet
0: she wishes you were that excited. <laughs> I know. I... <laughs> but anyway, it's just a, it was just a, one of those rare 60-minute matches where everything they did mattered. They had me enthralled from bell to bell. They never lost me, which is so hard in a 60-minute match because everything played into the next thing. You know, and I don't want to give too much away because I assume people are gonna go watch it now. But and I already gave away the first couple falls. But everything plays into the next thing in this match. And Wyatt in particular, this is one of the best pro wrestling performances you'll see from an individual all year. It he is he was that good in this match. And Yehai was right there with him. I just think Wyatt I just think Wyatt was given the more interesting role in the match, right? But you still have to deliver. And he did. And um yeah, this was uh I I I didn't, you know, I was told by some people that I was going to like it because they thought it was right up my alley, and I went in a little skeptical. I had no idea I was going to love this match as much as I did. This is what I want out of my pro wrestling. Tell me a story uh that that makes sense and is logical with great work, with commentary that helps, and with two guys who know how to go. That's all I want. I don't need all this other bullshit. I don't need Grote Wires and Dick Togo. I don't need it. This is all I need. So it's great. And it made me, like you, I'm now way more interested in Jeremy Wyatt. Whereas before, he was just another indie guy. Yeah, right. Right? And he's going to be, I think, in that big St. Louis Anarchy Round Robin tournament that we're going to talk about next week. I think he's in that. So I'm really looking forward to his stuff um, You know, when that tournament rolls around too. But yeah, great match. I wrote a full review um, behind the paywall, $10 tier, if you're interested in expanded thoughts. Plus, I reviewed like five other matches um, as well, including Arez and Ricky Marvin from Lucha Memes and uh, some other matches as well.
1: Uh, well, we well, one on the topic of matches that that we really liked and really kind of worked for us. Uh, there, there was a match or well, there was a, a show this weekend. Uh, as well we're gonna talk about the gcw shows here in a bit but there was a a paradigm pro wrestling did you know anything about paradigm pro wrestling at all it was on independent wrestling tv but
0: i don't very quickly and then we'll talk about paradigm i just looked up the blocks for that st louis anarchy tournament and again we're going to preview it next week. yeah next week we're going to talk a lot about it because this is a g1 style tournament that they're doing and it looks really awesome it looks interesting but uh wyatt is in the b block and listen to some of the names he's going to work he's got uh it's got Warhorse, Matt Fitchett, Moonshine Mantel, who I know nobody knows who he is, but he's a Texas guy. And trust me, he he will be signed one day. Let me just put it that way. Um, uh, Christian Rose, AC Mack. There's an opportunity there for this guy to have a bunch of good matches. And uh, Fred Yehi is in that tournament, too. Um, his block has Gary J. I uh, uh, can't even read my own writing. But we'll preview. We'll give you all that in full next week. We'll talk about it next week.
1: Yeah, they Um, deserve it. It's it's a pretty cool thing that they got running there uh, in St. Louis. So. Yeah, so, alright, so the Paradigm for Wrestling is, is, and I haven't not watched any of their shows prior to this, I just watched this one, uh, and this was the, because it, it was a big wrestling weekend and everything, it felt back, and uh, which good. we have a, a column up at VoicesWrestling.com uh, as well, Andy Labar wrote a, a really great piece, just kind of covering the entire weekend, uh, the best matches from the weekend, the, the, how you can watch the shows, all that sort of stuff, because yeah, there was, you know, Beyond ran, Game Changer ran twice, and then Paradigm ran in, in Sellersburg, Indiana, which I think is just outside of Louisville, um, and that was on the Friday on independent wrestling TV, so I decided, hey, you know what? Let me check this out. It sounds interesting. It's a, it's a cool concept. So what they're doing is kind of a a hybrid shoot fighting, but also sometimes deathmatch thing. It's it's a weird concept, but it works. And 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 it, you know everything is you know all the the the. Some of the matches are done under UWFI rules. Some are done under street fight rules or whatever. I prefer the UWFI rules matches on this show uh, as well because that was kind of a... It's a style that, you know, people think that we hate shoot fighting or whatever. And I don't. I just hate boring shoot fighting. I like good shoot fighting. You know, in terms of like... or, Or work shoot fighting, I should say. I don't really care to watch any shoot fighting. But, you know, fun... Work shoots are are fun and they're fun. They're they're good matches. Boring ones where you just lay around, you know, in, in in holds and and you know grapple on the mat, you know, loosely. I that stuff does nothing for me. But this stuff, and and there was a match on this that was kind of similar. It's it, I didn't go five stars. I don't know, I'll tell you that, but a match that was like ah, this is everything I need out of wrestling. This is just what I love about pro wrestling. And it, it's it's like it's not even a match that I think I could go like over four stars on. It's just a match that hit at the right time for the right place and just kind of work to your sensibilities. And that match uh, was in this tournament because they had like a kind of a one-day tournament here. It was Tom Lawler, Filthy Tom Lawler, who who rocks by the way. You, you are, you're a big Tom Lawler fan too, right?
0: Well, the thing about Tom Lawler is I thought for a while there he had a great presence and a great look and obviously with the um, UFC background, and but I thought that the work needed to catch up. I think it's ca- it's catching up
1: now. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, the, the look—I don't know—maybe you could lose the jean shorts, but it's fine. It's okay. The, the weird thing that he's got going on with the 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 jorts uh, wrestling yeah. gear, but that's fine. Whatever, It doesn't matter. Uh, and they're then
0: tights he- that, they're tights that look like jorts.
1: Yes, it's strange. They're
0: not actual jorts—they're not
1: actual jorts. No, he's not John Cena out there, but they're they're tights. But they look yeah. like jorts. They're they're like jiggings, jort Jiggings or something. They're very strange. they so.
0: fucking yeah. They're wrestling tights that look that that look like denim, but yeah, but strange. They're, they're yeah, <laughs> very
1: strange. Yeah. Uh, so he was against Calvin Tankman, who we'll talk about a little bit as well, because he was on the GCW weekend um, as well. So you're, you're you're thinking if you don't know who Calvin Tankman is, he is a very large man, much larger than Tom Waller. You know, yeah. by maybe 110 pounds, easy, maybe 150 pounds, to be honest. Yes. Um he's a
0: rotund. He's
1: thick. He is a thick fella that uh Calvin Takeman. So it's Tom lawler versus Calvin Takeman and bell rings, they just fucking you know just beating on each other right away. Tom lawler's going for strikes, Calvin Takeman's trying to take him down as quickly as possible or whatever. The match itself is nothing that's that like you know, it's it's not this unbelievable match that you need to go out of your way to check every second of, of everything out. But what I loved about it was this finish. This finish was oh, I know you're gonna love it too. You would do the same thing I did when I watched it. So Uh, Tom Lawler's working over Calvin Tankman, working him over, working him over, just kind of working him, you know, to, 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 to finally be able to finish him off. He does a belly to back suplex on Calvin Tankman, which by the way, like Calvin didn't like, I I don't want to say that Calvin didn't go up, but I think he made it so that Tom Lawler had to look like he was really forcing to get him up. Which worked for the rules of the match. You don't know, have a rules match. I don't want it, you know, you don't want Calvin Tankman leaping to his feet and jumping halfway across the ring or whatever. You, you know what I mean? It needs to look like it was a little bit of a, you know, if you're doing a work shoot, it's got to look like it, it, it. there was a struggle. It has to look like Tom Lawler had to kind of work to do it. So he does. He does a belly to back suplex to Calvin Tankman, which is awesome. It just looks great. The ring just shakes. The camera shakes. The announcers are like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. So Calvin Tankman is, is stunned. He gets, um, the referee starts doing a standing five count to him, or a standing ten count, I should say. Uh Calvin Tankman is on his knees. He's slowly getting up. The referee's at, like, four. Tom Waller, instead of saying, come on, get up, or, yeah, get up, you bastard, you know, instead of doing, like, something like that, just fucking runs at him, hits him with a running knee, and the referee stops the fight. Yeah. And I love because it was like, he didn't fucking wait. The second Tankman got to his feet, enough for, or got to his knees... Without even any hesitation, Tom Lawler, who's been trolling the crowd the entire time, just goes with a running knee. The crowd's booing him because they're like, how did you not let this guy go up? And he's like, hey, doesn't matter. You know, they, they, they raise his hand, and he goes, hey, doesn't matter how I did it. I'm the damn winner. And then he walks out of the ring right. and leaves and moves on to the tournament. But it's, like, it's one of those things that's like, yes, it's just wrestling. You know, the guy just wanted to win the match. He didn't give a shit. About, oh, if this is the right thing to do. Or, oh, I should let the guy get to his feet. Or, you know, getting heat. Getting a heat, you know. And I think, yeah, somebody in the chat room has a great quote. He says, get up, Tankman. You asked for this fight. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, You have to watch yeah. this. It's great. It, it, I, I'm not doing justice to how great the knee was when he did it. It was just I, so perfect.
0: I, I didn't have time to get to any of this before this show Because I watched a ton of shit this week. But um, I will check it out. Because everyone is saying good things about it. Was there, the there are
1: some was, matches that stink. I will tell you was that.
0: The, was the family food dude on the show?
1: Uh, Eric Stevens was on the, the the yeah he was on the show.
0: The, so. the family food dude was there. <laughs> is,
1: that, is that what he officially uh, is going by now?
0: I don't. That's what he used to go by. Uh, family food dude.
1: Uh, he was on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was. He was there.
0: Uh, okay. Doesn't sound like you were enthralled by. Nah, him. he was he,
1: fine. He's fine. Though.
0: He's fine. Yeah. He usually, he's usually fine. Um I uh, am. I will, I
1: strip mall purple belt was there though, Don McGarini, So that's
0: always. Well, good. you know, you want to bury him, so just just go bury him. <laughs> I, just,
1: I, just, I just think he's boring.
0: <clears throat> go for it, man. I don't know. No, I, I'm
1: just what? watching this entire show, and there's like you know, there's all these guys that are out there doing you know, and I keep hearing, oh, this this guy's a purple belt. He know he really knows what he's doing out there. And I'm glad, but like it's a you know it's a it's a work too. So like it's the I, thing we I, say I with Hideki Suzuki too. It's like well, if it's a work, like you know, let's let's you know.
0: Can I, say something about it? Can I say something about all this? Can yeah. I say something about it? Okay, so MJF gave a promo on Dynamite this week, and he talked about how um, he actually, if you go by the minute-by-minute ratings, is the biggest draw in AEW, right? He said that in his promo. And it's a great thing to say in the promo because it can't be disproven, right? It's not true. Like, we know that it's not true, right. that he's not minute-by-minute. But he can say that, and no one can counter it, and it can't be disproven. So it's a great thing to say in a promo. Why doesn't Dominic Guarini just say he's a black belt? Isn't that higher than purple?
1: It is. I think. I don't know. I don't know enough about my uh, my belts, but I believe it is. Yeah.
0: If black is higher than purple, then why the fuck doesn't he just say he's a black Who would disprove it? Why would you say, I'm the second best thing? That doesn't make sense. It's pro wrestling. Just say you're a black belt. You know what I mean? Like, uh, when it'd guys would be
1: disrespectful to the, the genre, I guess, I don't
0: know. You know, it's like, if you're going to pretend you're an Olympian, you don't say, ah, I'm a bronze medalist. Nah, you say I'm a gold medalist. Yeah. You're fucking Mark Rwondo. Henry is the world's
1: strongest man because he won time in a competition at the time. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't win the <laughs> <Yeah>. Olympics. He's <laughs> clearly not the world's strongest man, but you know, Hey.
0: Mark Henry finished 18th in the Olympics. but in
1: 1995, in one competition, he beat everybody, so fuck it. World's Strongest Man.
0: His moniker isn't the 18th Strongest (laughs) Man in the world. Right. His moniker is the World's Strongest Man. So why doesn't Dom Garini say he's a black belt? Now, black belt better be above purple now that I went on this rant.
1: I'm almost positive it is, but yeah, someone's going to correct What's his
0: discipline? BJJ?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's jiu-jitsu, yeah.
0: It's got to be Black Belt. Why would it not be Black Belt? It's always Black Belt. Um, Let's see. Oh, this is so confusing. Who the hell Who
1: cares? Who cares? Yeah, either Um, way. Um, Just in general, I think he needs to kind of...
0: Because Black black Belt is ahead of Purple Belt. Yeah, just say
1: you're a Black Belt, dude. Who cares? Dude,
0: Brown Belt's ahead of Purple Belt.
1: (laughs) So he's like... That's why I called him the strip mall Purple Belt, because he looks like a guy who goes to a strip mall and and just participates in jujitsu classes. But yeah, I didn't even realize that the Purple Belt was...
0: Hold, I gotta make sure this is right. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ranking system. Okay, let me make sure this is right. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, adult belt ranks. Here we go. Dude, it goes white, blue, purple, brown, black, and then there's like degrees of black, and then it goes to coral, coral, and red Ooh. with degrees of red. But here's the thing.
1: Okay? Nobody knows about the red belt. Just say you're a black. No
0: belt. one cares about <laughs> coral and red. Right. Everyone just thinks black belt is the highest. And not only that, black is higher than purple. And not only that, it's like there's one in between. Why the hell would you call yourself a purple belt? Just say that you're a black belt. It doesn't make any sense. Like, if I were a wrestler and I was in a feud with Dom Guarini, the first thing I would say if I was a heel... Is I was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, even if I didn't know the first thing about Jiu Jitsu. (laughs) It's clear you
1: don't know anything about Jiu Jitsu.
0: Right. That would be my whole thing. Like people would, because if you're a heel, that'd be a funny thing to say. You'd be like, yeah, well, you know, even if I was a deathmatch wrestler, I'd be like, well, I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? Because he's not even saying he's the best thing. It doesn't make sense. Like MJF didn't go out there this week and say that he's the third biggest draw in the minute by minutes. On dynamite. He said he was number one. Right? I don't get the purple belt thing. Just say you're a black belt.
1: Well, but- there's a lot of things that he needs to realize it's a work and, and just kinda you know, work out. But whatever. It was otherwise it's a very fun show. I, I think you'll like it. Again, there's a lot of stuff that you're probably going to want to skip. There are matches that are very clear when you see the guys get in the ring that you can probably tell wow this match is gonna suck. And you're probably right when when you see it. It is it is still it's still shindy at heart, but there was some really cool concepts in it, and I thought the commentary was pretty good. And there are guys and there are matches that I think will will pop you. So I think I think it's worth your time. It's a pretty easy watch. Again, you'll see the two guys in the ring and go, "Yeah, this doesn't look like it's going to be good," and you are going to be right when you think that. So,
0: I am not. I am gonna. I got to keep needling you on Garini. Do you think part of the reason you can't get into this guy is because of his look?
1: Well, yeah, that's why I call him the strip, you know, strip mall purple belt. Which you know, I'm glad that he's a, he's a purple belt. I'm glad that he, he. But yeah, he looks like a guy who works an office job, and then after work, you know, packs up his little gym bag and goes to a jujitsu gym, rolls around with you know a guy, and then you know goes back, takes a shower, goes to bed, and you know goes back to work the next day. Like you know now what I mean? Like,
0: you, now, you you concede that he can stretch you?
1: Oh, for sure, he'd beat my ass. Of
0: course. Okay, but.
1: His it's a work, look. you know. Like I don't care. It's a it's a cosmetic business, Joe. I've all you so know. This is
0: what we're. I'm having. a body
1: guy. I'm a body guy you, now.
0: You're, there it is. There it is. That's what I've been trying to. I'm work I'm an effort guy. I'm
1: not a body guy, guy, Joe. I'm an effort guy.
0: You're a body guy. That's I'm an effort guy. Get,
1: get on a treadmill. Do some squats. Let's go. <laughs> you know, we were, look look like a badass. Tom Waller looks we were, like he's gonna whoop your ass, right?
0: We were not getting off of Paradigm Pro Wrestling until you said I'm a body guy. That was the. <laughs> I was going to stay on Garini until you once again admitted that you were a body guy. But, I mean, he's got the plumber's crack and the shirt. That,
1: and that's what are. I mean, man. Dude. Like, I, I think there's potential there for sure with him, but it's like, dude, get get pants that fit. I, I can't take the UWF, I, UWF icon, which he was calling himself, uh, really seriously when I can see your ass crack. You know? And you're yeah. loosely kicking... You know Gary J in the leg as Gary J is chopping you back. It's it's echoing through the building as Gary J is chopping him, and then you know Dom Guarini throws like a oh, really you, light kick. Gary, it's just like
0: Gary Gary J can fucking chop. Gary Jay is a chopping motherfucker. Oh, I, oh
1: for sure, and that's the match. It's Gary J and, and, and Dom Guarini. Which the, the problem though with that, and, and again, is like, you know Gary Jay's out there, and you can hear it. It sounds, and the crowd's reacting to it because it's like yeah.
0: whoa. Oh. This is what you're saying. The Gary J. chops were impressive.
1: Right. And the crowd's going, whoa, that guy's a badass. Look at how, how loud his chops are. And nobody knows that you're, you know what I mean? Like, except for your jujitsu nerds, nobody knows that, like, you're, you know, you know, pulling hard. And it looks, you know, it's a solid guard technique. Nobody gives a shit. It's a work, dude. Like, have some excitement. Have some fun. Let's go. Plus have some impact. It,
0: plus, you're telling us you're the third best belt. <laughs>
1: right. That's all I mean. I so. really
0: think that's a major problem here. It's, not not, it's only-
1: definitely weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird.
0: Not only should he say he's a black belt, he should come out wearing a black belt. Like, he should have a physical black belt. Like, he should come out with the gi, right, tied together with a black belt. Oh, no. Like, old-school, 70s karate style, the fucking black belt.
1: It's disrespectful to the game, though, the art.
0: The first time he – but the first thing I think of when he (laughs) says purple belt – is my the first thing my mind does is say, wait a minute, how many belts are above purple belt?
1: Well, you, and, you said that before too, where like you know you you you'd manage you know restaurants or whatever before, and they would say, yeah, we finished third in like the area for best burgers, and you're like, get that off yeah. here. Like,
0: That's yeah, that you know, like, would like we would like okay, so my company will come in and take over X amount of a different you know restaurants for, and I'll go in my first visit, and there'll be like a dusty fucking sign near the front door that says you know fourth best pizza in Corpus Christi 1998 <laughs> and i'm like why is this on the wall number 1 you're admitting that there's three places better than you and it's also 15 years old just fucking things like that don't go on the wall unless you're number 1 that's the first rule and things like that have to come off the wall the next year like it, it once the calendar turns Nobody cares that you were the best pizza in Corpus Christi last year. Yeah,
1: because it makes me think, what would you do the last 18 years or whatever that you haven't won? No, so. what
0: they're going to think is, why didn't you rank this year? What right, happened? Right. Did your quality go down? That shit got to come off the wall. And for God's sake, why are you telling people you're fourth best or third best or eighth best or top ten? Don't put that shit on the wall. When the dopey Chamber of Commerce nerd comes into the store and hands you the plaque, you thank him. You shake his hand, and you throw the plaque directly in the garbage. You don't put that on the wall. You don't admit your futility. It drives you nuts. And you don't tell people you're a purple belt. Just say you're a fucking black belt. It's a word. And when someone walks in your fucking pizza place, they, you don't have a plaque on the wall that says you're fifth best. You tell them we were voted number one. Just who cares? They can't disprove it. It's the MJF theory. Move on.
1: There it is. So that was Paradigm Pro. I, that, I will say, definitely recommend watching the show, but definitely watch the Tom Waller Kelvin Tankman match. You, I think, will will absolutely love it. It's one of those. Again, match wasn't incredible, but the finish just landed with me perfectly. Where I'm just like, yes, hell yeah, let's go. So, all right, let's talk about this game changer weekend here. Uh, so GCW Homecoming. Uh, they had two shows uh, on the uh, the Garden Pier in Atlantic City. Have you ever been there, Joe? The Garden Pier in Atlantic City.
0: It's they were. This was at Showboat, which is at the far end of the. uh boardwalk um it's no longer a casino i think it's just a venue that holds events and i believe it's still a hotel if i'm not mistaken but it's been one of the many victims of the quickly dilapidating atlantic city scene i don't think there's an actual casino at the showboat anymore but yeah it's at the far far end of the boardwalk and yes i have been down
1: there. okay so good times or bad times at the uh
0: well showboat used to have an awesome buffet so i i that was always my buffet of choice, not for breakfast, but like a dinner buffet, I would uh, I would go to the showboat. Um, so, you know, if you're going to walk all the way down to that far end or if you're going to rent one of those fucking Mr. Fuji rickshaws, remember the rickshaws at WrestleMania four? I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're going to rent one of the rickshaws and, and, and go all the way down there or, or make that long ass walk down to the far end of the uh, the boardwalk for, for your buffet, You may as well stick around and gamble a little bit. You know, the showboat theme was kind of, kind of cool. But, uh, but yeah, I've been down there and I spent a little time in the showboat sure.
1: There we go. All right, cool. So it it looked like a good time. It looked like a fun time. I like, I like beaches. I like piers. I like boardwalks. So I I look like something. Yeah, well, Atlantic
0: Atlantic City is like a dollar store Vegas on a beach. That's fine. Oh,
1: I actually, you know, I should have go there. I don't know why I don't go. Well, now I'm too late. I'm twenty years too late to that, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) You are. It's definitely peaked. you know, uh, you know, because Trump ran all of his into the ground and a lot of the other ones closed, and Showboat isn't even a casino anymore, but there's still casinos there up and running. And like I said, it's a fucking, it's fucking Vegas on the, on a fucking, yeah, like,
1: That a sound ocean. up my alley. Yeah. Cause I
0: like, I, like I, literally, like, and like, literally, like you walk out of the casino and you're on the beach, like you're on the boardwalk and then yeah, the beach incredible. is 10 feet away, like the ocean. You walk out of the casino, and the ocean is right there. Like, you smell the waves. Cra- it's, like, literally, you don't even have to, like, go anywhere. It's just right there. So it should be – you should go. You should check it putting,
1: out. Putting on my to-do list is go to go to Atlantic City in, in 2021 or something. But, you know, yeah, a little late to it. But I don't even like I don't even like gambling at casinos. I just like the concept of casinos because they have, like, cool pools and cool buffets and stuff. So um, yeah. that's where I'm at with, with casinos. So not a gambling man, I, but it's all right. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about these Game changer shows. Uh, the entire time I was just thinking about going to a beach, the entire time I watched it. So, uh, some good, some bad. Uh, I just wanted to point out a few matches that I did enjoy. We don't have to go match by match. I don't think there's any need to, to do that whatsoever. Uh, one match that I really did enjoy, I wanted to talk to you about it, because I know you did as well. Uh, ACH making his return to the indies here. Well, he had, he had done a few indie shots before this, but uh, the first kind of maybe prominent indie uh, booking for ACH post-WB you know WWE run here. Uh, he faces Trey Lamar. Uh, it was the second night on uh, or a second match on, on night one. And what I really loved about this match, and I think you talked about it on Twitter, but it's so cool to see grizzled veteran ACH. Like we've reached that point in our lives. It made me feel old too. Cause we fucking interviewed the guy when he was an up and comer. And now he's like grizzled vet, trying to teach the kid how to work ACH he, now. And it's so weird. And I'm so uncomfortable with it.
0: Yeah. He's almost 15 years in. And, um, Maybe not that much. What did he start like two thousand seven or something? Yeah, almost fifteen years. Yeah, ago.
1: yeah that's a long time ago, huh?
0: <laughs> And it's like, you know, he didn't really start making waves until two thousand nine ish, and then you know, locally, and then he started breaking out two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, and I think by then most people who follow wrestling closely kind of knew who he was. But um, yeah, it's funny because I'm watching ACH wrestle Trey Lamar, and it was every. ACH match that I watched when he was on the come up in Texas, except Trey Lamar was now ACH, and ACH was you know the old veterans that were wrestling ACH, 12 years ago, right? So Trey Lamar is like the likable up and coming babyface that you that you're watching rise up the ranks before your eyes, and ACH is the guy slowing him down, locking in the headlock, doing crowd work. He did crowd work the next night against KTB. I don't know if he did crowd work in the Trey Lamar match, but you get the idea. Um, it's just funny to see him in that role. You know, he's not like he still does the the highly athletic things, but he's not all about the flippy do's anymore. And look, the guy's in his 30s now. He's uh, he's been everywhere. He, he, he He's working different. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw someone compare him to Pac. And that's very similar to absolutely. kind of pop transformation.
1: He was do- he no. was doing heel work though. And this you were talking about playing to the crowd. He was there was something that happened. And he just went like oh boo you or something like that because they booed him about something. And he he, he realized yeah. that they you know were getting behind Trey because Trey was doing the fun moves. He was doing the flips and the dives and the and the hope spots. And ACH realized okay cool well I'll play heel then. <laughs> and he did. He absolutely started just playing to the crowd and acting like a dick to Trey Lamar and and, and kind of reacting to the crowd. So yeah, it was it was very pop like in that sense.
0: And, and it's funny how you got this experienced wrestler in ACH, this grizzled veteran ACH. (laughs) This is so weird.
1: I feel so (laughs) old. God.
0: The beginning of this show, he was a young up and coming guy that we were touting and telling people they should book. And it's like, you know, and, and he feels out the crowd and game changer crowds are easy crowds. They really just want to cheer for everyone except Ricky Shane page. Right. Otherwise they just want to have a good time and root for action and root for fucking guys to bleed. But he ma- managed to get the crowd to get behind Trey Lamar., yeah. and he got this crowd to get behind KTB the next night. And that just goes to show what a well-rounded veteran worker he's really turned into. you know? He could have easily went out here on these shows and done the ACH greatest hits and gotten big cheers and went out there and tried to have four-star matches with these guys, and he almost got there anyway. but he didn't. He went out there and worked. you know, And, and it was interesting. And it was a different. He's he's re-entering the indie scene as a different kind of wrestler, and I think that's super interesting.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see how the run goes. Uh, and this 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 weekend gave me a lot of hope for what's going to come. It's going to be a different ACH. It's not going to be the same ACH. But uh, you know, he doesn't need. If ACH came and was just AC, the, the ACH we know now on the indies, like I I think I I like this more because there are a lot of guys that are kind of like. You know, dollar store or sort of inspired by ACH type guys like Trey Lamar obviously is is a guy who probably watched ACH growing up and you know because I I don't know how old Trey Lamar is but I'm sure. Why you know. is this?
0: Why is this so weird? We're talking about. I, watching I know. Watching ACH growing up.
1: It's so, it's so weird. Yeah, he's twenty three. So yeah, of course he did. You know what I mean? He's watched like. Yeah. Ugh, it's icky. Twenty three. Can you imagine being twenty three years old?
0: Imagine, In ten years.
1: Imagine talking to a twenty three year old. Like, what would you even say? <laughs> like, you know. Hey. I know like,
0: Hi. Fucking, <laughs> like, This guy was a teenager when ACH was on the come up I know, it's, it's so weird Like a young teenager This show is too old, we need to cancel yeah, this, this
1: show's, Yeah, we're done, we gotta come up with a new we'll, yeah. we'll go away for a little while have a new show So we can't say, oh yeah, nine years ago When we interviewed ACH like,
0: Yeah, so he his really fucking,
1: ch- The whole apartment he was sharing With somebody in fucking Texas or yeah, you
0: know who was, yeah. no, no, you know who he was sharing it with? Matt Jackson. I was gonna Pierre say Abernathy. I didn't. I didn't know if
1: we were allowed to name uh, who he was sharing it with at the time. But.
0: Yeah, and I said it on the air. We were in the. We were in the middle of interviewing Pierre Abernathy at the time. He doesn't use his wrestling name anymore because he doesn't wrestle anymore. He just you know he's the promoter of uh, St. Louis Anarchy. And don't you remember he went into Ach's bedroom and put him on the show? You don't oh, remember that's that? Right, I do remember. that. Because you you asked a question and like Ach came up. And he was like, ah, oh, well, why don't you ask him yourself? And
1: then he like, <laughs> right. hey, we're like, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Yeah.
0: yeah. And he's like, hey, Albert. And he's like, come over here. And then uh, like, he put him on the fucking show.
1: Yeah. And then they were talking about NBA 2K for like 20 minutes too, which is pretty fun. As well.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't, it's not any, like any kind of big secret, but it, yeah, like it, that's where he was living in fucking St. Louis. But um, yeah, two really interesting matches against Trey Lamar and KTB. Uh, they have a show this Sunday in Indianapolis. You know, he's facing on that show.
1: I don't. Yeah, I actually don't know what the card is for that show yet.
0: Joey Janela. Ooh, okay. Joey Janela versus ACH. So that's a very interesting match. That should
1: be match. fun. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm into that one for sure. A
0: lot of fun. Uh,
1: other match that I liked, and then we'll talk about some stuff that I didn't so much like, uh, Dickinson and Mats, Mance Warner was another just like, let's go, just have two dudes fucking get in there and just prove who's better, just fight. You know I mean, I thought Dickinson was great this entire weekend at GCW. He's Dickinson. he's good. He's gotten himself in I'm an effort guy, Joe, not a body guy. Chris Dickinson put some effort in at COVID. That guy's looking good.
0: Yeah, listen. Um, he's the best regular that they use for what I like in my pro wrestling. Just get in there and beat people up and uh try to win your matches, look like a badass, wrestle like a badass. Um, he's my favorite guy to watch in this promotion. So and he always looks good. He's whenever we talk about game changer, we don't talk about all of their weekends. But we do it sporadically, you know, when there's time. He's usually the most impressive person on a given weekend. Um, ACH was very good on this weekend. Uh, you know, there's some other people I want to get to on this weekend. But, you know, Dickinson is the most consistent performer out of the regulars in this company.
1: All right. So now the uh, some of the negatives here. <laughs> we'll start with night one. We'll get, we'll get to some positives because there was some, some different people in night two that I do want to touch on. Uh, briefly but you know we and we always say this too because like we don't talk a ton about Game Changer but I, I watch almost all that I can like if, if if a Game Changer weekend happens I try to watch it because you can't we always we always say this like we can't do this job without like watching what is you know in what is big what is popular what is ever and like you know GCW for better for worse and, and, and I think you know fine I like I, I don't hate them there's some stuff that I don't love about GCW but they are the top you know that niche, whatever you want to call it, the American indie niche or whatever, they might be the top American indie now. You know, with, with given what's going on, like there's no doubt that they're a major player in this marketplace. You, you, we can't do a show like this and not have any sort of awareness of GCW whatsoever.
0: You they're know? undoubtedly, they're undoubtedly the top indie in the company. I mean, it's not even disp- it's, it's not even in dispute. So, um, you know, they're 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 absolutely number one. So yeah, um, look, I don't put it on the same level as, like, oh, it's 19. 19- 1994 we have to talk about AAA, or it's 2012 we have to talk about new Japan right right it's not quite on it's not quite on that level like if you're doing a show in 1994 and you're not talking about triple a you're lost I mean why would anyone listen to your show same thing 2012 new Japan but this is the biggest indie in the company if we're ever going to talk about indie wrestling and we're not talking about game changer whether we love it or not and I have very mixed feelings on it then yeah we're not we're doing a disservice to the listener
1: uh, but as far as a, a lot of the other stuff on this night one, uh, not a lot of other stuff landed with me. There was a six-man scramble, or a six-way scramble, I should say, at the opener. Uh, it was Tankman, Alley Cat, Benjamin Carter, Jimmy Lloyd, uh, Lee Moriarty, who I, I think is good. I like Lee Moretti as well. And Matthew Justice, who I think is good as well. But the six-way scramble, not good at all. <laughs> it was oh, was bad, huh?
0: Yeah, which, which, you know what sucks is, um, and that's another thing. Benjamin Carter, they've been giving this guy a shot. And we talked briefly about him a few months ago. I think of the new wave of flyers, he is going to blow by all of them because I think he is better and more sound than your Blake Christians and your Jordan Oliver's,
1: your Alex Zane. Now, Blake,
0: uh, Christian's getting good. Now Christian's improving, you know, and these are all young wrestlers. They're all going to improve to some degree or you would hope, but I think Carter, um, is starting out ahead of them. And I think he's going to blow right by them. And I think Benjamin Carter has a chance to be a, a big time indie star and a guy who can break out. But yeah, you know, I, I, I could totally see why the scramble wouldn't have worked. Lee Moriarty is a guy, he does things physically in the ring that I've never seen done before. And I don't mean super athletic things in the way that he moves. There's movements that he does in the ring that I've never seen other pro wrestlers. He does, he moves in a unique way. And it's little things like the way he comes off the ropes or or does a duck under or there's a uniqueness about him. Yeah. Which makes him really fun to watch as well.
1: He's great. He has a match um, on that uh, the paradigm show with uh, Chris Dickinson, which is pretty awesome. So
0: it sounds like it would be yeah, very good. So it, it, another really, guy. Really good. Out. Tankman, we talked about. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd is what he is. He's a you know <laughs> he's
1: a he's a he just he's is good he at, is. at what he does. He, there, there's a lot of guys in in in, in GCW, and we're going to talk about it with the main event too with Ricky Shane Page. I think Ricky Shane Page absolutely fucking sucks, but he's perfect for the role that he plays in that company. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I've got... Like, I don't fans. want to watch him.
1: <laughs> like, I don't want to see him, but it works. It's, like, the perfect way... And, like, that's how I think about Jimmy Lloyd. Like, I think Jimmy Lloyd is absolute garbage, but, like, in GCW, it, it, it kind of works. I don't... Again, I am more than happy to skip his matches, but...
0: Look, see- he'll wrestle... He'll He's a guy who will wrestle for GCW his whole life. It's, like, a lot of those guys in another generation were just CZW guys for life. Yeah. You can run down the whole list. G, Game Changer has a bunch of those guys, too. They're just... They're going to be game-changer guys for life, and that's yeah. fine. And they're over <laughs> with that crowd. You know, that that's a, that's all that matters.
1: For sure, and, and that's a big reason why I kind of think I like watching game-changers. It feels like they have that that blend of, like, yeah, your Jimmy Lloyds, your Ricky Chain Pages, those guys that are, like, lifers. But there's a lot of dudes, and we'll talk about this this weekend as well, when we have to talk about Calvin Tankman, when you talk about Lee Moriarty, when you talk about Matthew Justice, Trey Lamar, uh, Benjamin Carter, you know, to a lesser extent, to, to me at least, you know, Blake Christian, Alex Aint, Like, you're seeing the, the next guys, like A.J. Gray, who I think is pretty solid, too. There's a lot of really good talent, and then there's also, like, you know, your lifers, but so that that's why I always kind of keep. If it was just their lifers, if this was just CZW bullshit, I wouldn't watch it. There'd be no way in hell. Even if it was popular, I feel like I would just say, Joe, I don't really care to see this. But there does feel like there's enough like up and coming talent on these shows that it does feel, um, you know, like they are kind of that indie that, that feels like there. A lot of guys are going to graduate from GCW and, and move on to bigger and better things over the next few years. So.
0: It's not even that. I mean, they're, they're just the place to go if you're an indie name now. Yeah, right, right. They're the biggest indie on the scene, and they run the most frequently, and they're the biggest indie on the scene. So if you're a guy who's making a name on the indies, you're going to end up in Game Changer. So that's their slot in the uh, in the pecking order now. So you talked, we talked about ACH, Trey Lamar. You talked about Dickinson, Mance Warner, Blake Christian, Alex Zane. I didn't see it. I assumed this was either the best match on the show or one of the best matches on the show.
1: It was okay. I mean, like I, I, Your mileage might vary on those guys. I kind of think they're just flippy to be flippy sometimes. Listen,
0: I, I think there's a lot of flaws in this current group of high flyers and i've talked about it a lot
1: like blake christian's one of those guys he just does like three extra rotations you're like what are you doing dude (laughs) like what's the move like what's the plan here like you know it just feels like you know and this reminds me a lot of like 2000s like wcw or 2001 wcw when a lot of these guys came in or or you know the the indies when like high flying started really coming into in in, and guys would just like do extra rotations on stuff and it's like all right that's cool but like what's the point like what are you doing like you know just i'm gonna do a tope but i'm gonna spin while i do the tope and it's like all right like okay cool like
0: I feel like Christian is really is really starting to tighten up his act. He, was, he is. He is getting there. You know, and and um, you know, I feel like ultimately he'll be better than Jordan Oliver. I, th- I put Zane on the same level. Um, but I really, I really, truly, I feel like Benjamin Carter is eventually going to pass all of them. And um, you know, if, if we're grouping all those guys together, so they did Alex Colon versus AJ Gray in a death match. Uh, Alex Colon is another guy. He's a death match guy. And a very respected deathmatch guy. He's good as far as deathmatch
1: guys go. Even watching him live, he he sticks out in terms of deathmatches. Like there's, you know, we talk, we talk about Takeda in, in, in Japan, how he's like a good wrestler that happens to be a deathmatch guy. I feel that way about Cologne too. Cologne does the deathmatch bullshit and, and and stuff, and I call it bullshit just because, like, I, I I I I it's fine. Everybody you, gets, you know, everybody, yeah. But like, um, I think he's really good as far as deathmatches matches go. He's, he's he's good in that genre for sure. So so I I've always liked Cologne so.
0: Then it was Effie and Nate Webb. I, you know, Effie. Yeah. I think, look, Effie can work. He really can. Um, just a little heavy on the shtick sometimes, but look, if it's over, he's going to do it. Yeah. So there will be a,
1: there, there will be time uh, sometime in the next few years where Effie has to sort of shed like the the, the irony stuff is going to kind of go away or, or lose faith, and then Effie I think will emerge. Where some of these guys are nothing without their gimmicks. I right. think Effie like we we've and we've said this from the beginning too. He'll survive. He 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 will be a player in the Indies for for years to come. He's just you know won't be good maybe size. as this character. Yeah.
0: Good size isn't he like 6'1", 6'2"? Oh yeah, no, yeah, really. You know, good size. good, good build. Good, good size. Yeah. Good build. Good look. You know, and 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 can go. Um, I don't know. And then they did uh, Schlack and Nick Gage. There was a million matches on this There's show. So I didn't many. watch. I watched night two, and I watched part of night one. I watched the ACA match from night one. Um, I wouldn't watch Joey Janela Yoshikko. <laughs> not good. <laughs> I, like,
1: I like I'll I'll do a Yoshihiko matches for like a little bit, but yeah, this one Joey, I, I respect what he tried for here, but yeah, about three minutes in, I was like, all right, take her home. But but there was a really cool angle here where Leo Rush revealed himself to be Yoshihiko and returned to the Indies. So that was the coolest. Part. Right, that's
0: the or not thing, Yoshihiko, Leo. to be
1: Yoshiko's handler or whatever. So the black yes, Leo
0: figure. Rush, Correct, not Leo, Leo Rush, Rush. The, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Leo Rush returned after the match as a surprise. That's what you mean. And then they wrestled the next night. So, um, Or they set up a match for the next night, which we're going to talk about moving forward. So Ricky Shane Page uh, wrestled Homicide in the main event. And Ricky Shane Page is getting the big heel push. And you spoke about Ricky Shane Page a little bit. Look, I think the fact that Ricky Shane Page is a legitimate top guy in the biggest indie promotion going is a major indictment on the current indie scene because he fucking stinks. He's there so is bad. nothing. He's ridiculous. so
1: shindy too. He <laughs> looks... And that's the thing I brought up. I said he looks so bad and people are like, well, it's GCW and I'm like, no, geez, a lot of guys in GCW don't look like this. Alex Cologne looks good. You know, Effie looks good. Like, a lot of these guys don't look like shindy like assholes and then you got this just tub of goo that comes out and it's just like, oh my god, and he just stinks. He's so bad. But,
0: but the thing is, like, they've built an effective storyline with him and Gage and those GCW fans, he gets mega molten heat. Yeah. So I can't I'm I can't stand his matches. They're never good, but you know, his little, you know, faction, uh, you know 440H or whatever it is and it is what it is. They're going to make a lot of money building to that Nick Gage Ricky Shane Page match, probably at a Mania weekend if they could stretch it out again that long. And um you know, or or run a big building and try to draw a couple thousand fans with it and it'll work. But Gage got injured on the Beyond show
1: Yeah, it looks like it doesn't look good It looks like his Achilles might be um, Hurt, so we'll, yeah, we'll see Hopefully it's not a rupture because that'll be a while Then
0: then yeah, maybe you can right,
1: wait Until WrestleMania weekend if you're gonna do that Unfortunately, so
0: It totally fucked up their plans for Night 2 Because it was supposed to be Gage and Ricky Shane Page With the stipulations And, um, you know, Gage obviously Couldn't work the match So they had You know, uh Page and all, and his minions, they attacked the Alley Cat and, uh, and Webb, Nate Webb. And so that match never happened. And then Gage obviously couldn't wrestle. So it was Schlack versus all four of them. And then Alex Colon came out and then AJ Gray came out mm-hmm. and I was expecting the Alley Cat and Nate Webb to come back out, but they never did. Um, so that match just never happened, and they ended up not having an official match night two. And then Gage came limping out with the with the injury, and it was horrendous. This was one of the worst piece of shit matches you'll ever see. But they had to somehow get it to Gage scoring the pin for the storyline purpose. So, you know, they had to improvise. I guess you can cut them a break. And then uh, Gage ended up scoring the pin and doing his promo anyway. But a very bad ending tonight, too, because of the circumstances mm-hmm. they were in. But what did you think of Joey Janela and Leo Rush?
1: Okay, so I thought the match itself was really good, but I think this is where you're going to bring in how commentary can really drag a match down because uh, Kevin Gill, I think was it was – Kevin Gill or was Emil J who was doing the commentary for this one? Both. Okay, well
0: – Well, there was – well, listen. Emilio Sparks was in the mix – Kevin Gill was in the mix. The Alley Cat got in the mix. Um, um, uh, Emil J got in the mix. Look, it's like a rotating cast of characters. Do I remember specifically who was calling this match? I don't. Here is what I remember from the commentary all weekend. It was fucking terrible. It didn't matter who was in the booth. This commentary is atrocious. And that's the thing about Game Changer. They're so rough around the edges with everything, and I know that's part of their vibe. But – it would serve them well to tighten some things up starting with the commentary. It just look, I know that this is never going to be a perfectly polished and clean product. And I understand that part of the appeal is that it's kind of gritty and rough around the edges. And that's the idea, but man, it's a really hard barrier sometimes. And the, and, and I completely agree. The commentary Really hurt this match because they weren't putting over the story of the match.
1: Well, because whoever the main one was, and I, I forget exactly who it was. I'm sorry if I don't, but they Drill. were.
0: Kevin Gill was probably who. I think remember. it was
1: Kevin Gill. Well, he was like noticeably drunk in this match.
0: Oh, that was that was that was that was uh, no, that wasn't Gill. Was that
1: MLJ? Okay, yes, that's who I thought. Okay, so I thought it was MLJ in this match. So he's he's clearly drunk, like you know, slurring his words. Clearly had had a long weekend. And he's doing the entire match, this entire Joey Janela-Leo Rush match, which is a big, important match. Leo Rush returns his first, you know, match, first big match on the Indies after leaving WWE against Joey Janela, who he had a huge rivalry with. For years and years and years, these guys battled back and forth, had some incredible matches, arguably made both of their careers. Is that a super hot take to say that that feud kind of made these guys careers?
0: It didn't hurt. It was a very high profile, both of them. Leo Rush got signed towards the back end of this. Yeah, this was a huge feud for both guys' careers.
1: Yeah. Uh, So the entire time, MLJ is talking about how he got drunk once on St. Patrick's weekend with Joey Janela in Atlantic City.
0: Yeah. And the story (laughs) wasn't even interesting. It was just a story that he was like,
1: Yeah, we had some some really good times. And the other, I think it was Kevin Gill, like, Oh, okay. Uh, What'd you guys do? And he's like, I can't even tell you what we did. It was good stuff, though tell you that and he's like all right cool and then like the match would happen a little bit and then he'd be like yeah oh man i remember that weekend well i don't remember too much of that weekend it's like okay we get it dude you got drunk with joey janela we got it like yeah yeah (laughs) while these guys are having a like a great like a 30 minute back and forth really well i thought was a pretty damn good match a heated rivalry leo rush making his return and it's like we're spending the time talking about joey janela and you know you having beers in atlantic city cool dude (laughs) like
0: and kevin gill tries but he's just bad yeah tries to be like the straight man, play-by-play guy, and he's not good at it. He's bad. Um, you know, so he's just a bad commentator. But um, to me, the match, it wasn't just the commentary. I thought they tried to tell like this epic story and that this crowd wasn't into that. No, the no, crowd The crowd wasn't into the story of the match or the history. This is a game-changer crowd. They're there to see people bleed. They're there to see wacky high spots. Yeah, they went 30 minutes with this match,
1: which I appreciate. Like, I liked it in a vacuum if I just like Put mute on and just watch this match. I would have. Lo- I really, really liked it. I still did like the match, but you're absolutely right. This crowd was like, "No, nah, we're we're good. <laughs> we don't need
0: this." They they lost the crowd early, and honestly, you know, I I didn't like the match as much as you did because I thought they a lot of things took a very long time to set up, and 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 the crowd wasn't buying the story they were telling, or wasn't interested in the story they were telling. The crowd didn't get into this until Janela set up the dive off of that pillar. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and then the crowd got into the match. Once somebody dove off of a 20 foot pillar through a table, then they started chanting GCW and getting into the match. That's what they're there for. Right. That's what's tricky about the Game Changer crowds. Because Game Changer doesn't do a lot of uh, booking or storytelling or anything like that outside of the gauge Ricky Shane page thing. They don't do that. They just put matches together. But and they've taught their fans to just react to spots. And blood. Well,
1: they and are the carbon. new ECW, baby. Like, you know, there, there was, you know. See, ECW I, don't, had... see,
0: I don't like those comparisons. Because... No, but there
1: was a point, though. You, you, uh, by 1999, ECW, before Lynn and those guys, by late, there was a period where ECW was just that, where the new fans had just expected... I'm totally with you. Like 95, 96, 97, 90, Like there was a period though, in like at least when I started watching, where I remember that that yeah. guys would go out there and try to have a match, and the crowd would just go boo, blood, you're boring, boring. Like it. it I think Lynn and, and RVD helped out a little bit, and the, I think it did sort of evolve out of that. But there, wa- I I do I do remember distinctly a period where like fans any time a match went over five minutes, they were just bored out of their minds.
0: Yeah. No. No. Th- there's no doubt that little period you're talking about, but. I see a lot of game. A lot of people will say, "Oh, Game Changer is the modern ECW," and I understand why they're saying that, but they couldn't be more wrong. ECW was a very well-booked promotion by one of the greatest bookers who ever lived. Game Changer—they don't even book it. There's no booking to, to speak of. You can't even say it's not well booked or it is well booked, because from a storytelling standpoint, they don't tell any stories. They don't even try. It's just, here's the next card. And it's the best card we could put together. Everybody have a good time. Now, from that perspective, whatever they're doing is working from a business perspective. Right. right. But they're not like ECW was a traditional pro wrestling promotion when it came to booking stories and building people up for title shots, building people up to be stars, booking people on the way out. Uh, you know, totally different. Like the vibes in terms of being counterculture rough around the edges and this and that. I understand it's an easy comparison, but I also feel like it's a lazy comparison because I, I when you really get to the nuts and bolts of it, they're they're really not that much alike at all. Uh, but on the surface, yes. I mean, Nick Gage is essentially the Sandman. He's the fucking Sandman, right? He's, he's a guy who's enormously over with that fan base, but he wouldn't work almost anywhere else. And that's what really prevented the Sandman from becoming as big a star anywhere else than he was in ECW. You can't put Nick Gage in WWE. You can't put Nick Gage in New Japan. You know, you can't put Nick Gage almost anywhere except where he where he's at. And it works there. And he's a mega star and he's over like a motherfucker. But it's like when you really start digging in, game changer and ECW are are are, are uh, booked and presented in very different ways when you go beyond the surface. Mm-hmm. The surface I can understand. But look, they didn't really want this epic culmination of this year's long rivalry. The fans were not buying this match until he dove off of that pillar. And then from there, they went right to the finish. But the post-match stuff with the promos and, you know, Leo Rush has been saying he's retiring forever. He may really think that I don't buy it. He's 25 years old. He has a skill that can make him money. And that's pro wrestling, which he is tremendous at. It's a fallback that he's always going to have. Do I think he's going to go try music? Yeah, I do. But I don't think he's going to stop wrestling because it's an easy payday.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. He's, he's kept he can, himself in great shape too. Like you don't yeah. do that if you're ready. If you've got one foot out the door, you're not, you know. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I
0: think he, he might even think he has one foot out the door. Right. But – but, He's so good at it, and people—he's always and people are always gonna want him to do it. Yeah, he's
1: gonna get too many calls to to, to—he's not gonna be able to ignore every single call. There's gonna come a time where he looks at the bills, and he goes, "Ah, fuck it, yeah, sure." (laughs) You know, like it's gonna happen for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, now if his music career breaks out and he's the next fucking whoever to fuck, yeah, maybe he leaves wrestling behind. But you know, let's face it—the odds of of anyone making it in the music industry are, are minuscule, and he's always gonna have that fallback option of pro wrestling. So, um, you know, I, I feel like um, we're going to see more of him, whether it's whether he whether it's in the cards or whether he even thinks so himself. Uh, did you like Dickinson and Tankman? Did you I did. Yeah,
1: that was before? a good little, little beef match. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. That was really, really cool. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like Tankman a lot. I think he's uh, how I wonder how old he is. I'm going to check this. I'm going to get upset. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't list his age here. Um, so I don't know how old he is, but yeah, whatever whatever age he he is, I, like you could tell that there's a lot of really good potential there, and he's a big dude, and, and we need big guys on the indies. We need big guys that can move on the indies. I think he's yeah, depending on what his age is, unless he's like randomly 35 years old, like he has got a big future uh, in this. And and Dickinson just rocks. He's just like everything that I love about wrestling, and, and I'm so glad that he's back. And I'm I just really hope that he ushers in like the next era. Of indie wrestling, you, you know what I mean Yeah, That yeah. guy, I want that guy Just fucking no nonsense, comes to the ring in his backwards hat Throws it off, takes his shirt off, ready for a fight Let's go, you know
0: Alright, do you want to hear this indie show lineup? Yeah, let's go ahead uh, So here's what they got, this is actually A really good looking lineup uh, Tony Deppin versus Benjamin Carter So, Benjamin Carter Finally gets a singles match On a Game Changer show, and he's in there With a guy who obviously he can have a really good match With, so Um, Everybody knows Deppin's pretty good, but I think Carter, this can be a breakout if that match really works. So I'm glad he's getting a chance. Uh, Janella ACH, we talked about all singles matches, by the way, on this show for the most part. Uh, Dickinson versus AJ Gray. Uh, Tankman versus versus Kyle the Beast. Uh, Blake Christian versus Trey Lamar. Mance Warner versus uh, Nate Webb. And then there's... um, uh, Ricky Shane Page's uh, scummer group against the Alley Cat and Effie. That match could just go straight mm. to trash. <laughs> Good God! Um, and then the debuts. I might be.
1: I might beat traffic for that if I if I if I end up going to this show, which I could. I might might use that one to beat traffic. Hopefully that's the main event. So.
0: And then the debuts of Kylie Ray and Ace Austin with no opponents or matches announced as of this podcast. That's a really good lineup. That is a
1: really good lineup. Yeah, I'll have to see how, how things go on <laughs> Sunday. I, not much going on, so I can make the drive. So we'll see. Can you
0: are go to Indianapolis? Uh, it's, a, it's,
1: a, it's a drive, but I can do it. Yeah,
0: I can do it. How long is that drive from where you
1: are? Uh, what is it? I, let me see. Well, today's, these days, traffic's a lot, a lot easier. So uh, let's see what the old... Uh...
0: I just picture it as like Illinois... And Indiana, and it's fucking twenty hours apart.
1: Yeah, but, uh, three hours. So it's about three hour drive for me. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So, well, especially if I if I can dip out before that ricochet page.
0: Yeah, what was it again? Know,
1: it's ricochet page and whoever scummers are with alley cat. No, and Effie. I don't know. It's,
0: it's it doesn't say. Okay, it's alley cat. It's the alley cat and Effie against that. Four four oh eight or whatever. Yeah.
1: So Ricky Champage, then like Eric Ryan or something like that. So,
0: yeah. Where you just, you know, yeah. yeah it doesn't know.
1: matter. I'm, I'm, I'm beating traffic for that one for sure.
0: It doesn't <laughs> matter who it is. It's not yeah. You,
1: good. you had man Alley Cat and Effie. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> that's...
0: Right. So, um, you know, that, that's great. Isn't that the best when you go to a show? And, like, the one match you don't care about is the main event. You yeah,
1: there get was a while at AEW when that's- Sammy Callahan had that title. I, I missed I missed a title change, unfortunately. I did miss Pentagon beating him. Uh, but, yeah, I was beating traffic every single time out of there, out of the Sammy Callahan. The second he gets to the – I would always say if he, if he goes to the bar and starts a brawl and, like, picks up a beer bottle and throws it at a guy, that's when I know that I can leave. And, yeah, it happened every single time. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, even surprised yeah. the nurse one time. She's thinking, oh, God, I have to sit here. And I said, honey, you want to go? And she goes, Oh my god, yeah! And I was like, perfect, let's go. And she's like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I miss, I miss the subtle change, but that's all right. You know, it happens. Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're home so much earlier. You just yeah. waltz out of that arena. No one's in your way. Oh, it's it's a it's a great feeling.
0: Yeah, you moonwalk right out of there. Yeah. It's actually pretty great. Uh, you feel
1: like you're home in like 20 minutes, even though it's like a two-hour drive. I don't know why. Like the drive's not different. <laughs> you know, nothing changed about the drive, but. Just feels yeah. like it. I don't, yeah, there's 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 because you feel cool. like
0: you're getting one over. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down. Like,
1: to. you're not going to keep me there for another 20 minutes. I'm going to leave. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's like, fuck your main event. You feel like a real <laughs> rebel, you know, but um, and then they got tournament of survival, of course, three weeks after that back in Atlantic City. So that's what they've got coming up. That backyard show a couple of weeks ago was one of the worst things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I, I did not watch it. Is it bad?
0: It's horrendous. And people are like, oh, well, that's the point. And I'm like. Why would I watch something that is trying to be bad? Like that it's 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 a waste of time. Like that that you know, yeah, I get it. I get that they're doing, you know, everyone's doing their backyard gimmicks and it's not meant to be a great but believe me, this was even bad on trying to be yeah, bad. Yeah,
1: even even bad at the concept of being bad.
0: Yes, it just was stuff that just didn't work and it was just fucking horrendous. But um that's a you know, it's kind of non-canon when they do shows like that. I get it. But there's other Game Changer shows that just don't land with me either. Look, I'm not going to pretend I'm some kind of Game Changer mega fan. A lot of times, a lot, you know, these two nights, I mean, a lot of it, I had to turn it off because I got tired of it because I just, uh, this stinks, you know? Um, A lot of it is too, I don't think, I think it's, it, the vibe I get is that they just send people out there and just let them do whatever they want. I don't think there's a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you leave wrestlers to their own devices sometimes, and it's just, you know how that can go. But, um, you know, it, but you, you got to keep your, eye, you have to keep one eye on them, or you're not, you don't have your finger on the pulse. Yeah, absolutely, if you're not paying attention to them to some degree.
1: All right, so we're just about done here, uh, Joe. For next week, uh, I, I, what do you? Where are you on Dragon Gate right now? I
0: am on the verge of doing another one of my binge watches to catch up on everything.
1: Okay, yeah, you should do that. There, there's some good stuff in there, and we, the Memorial Gate is going on on the second, so we'll, uh, we'll maybe we can talk about that. It's uh, uh, Doi versus Eta is the main event there, and there's, there's some I good still, stuff going on in Dragon Gate. So I don't want to do a half-assed Dragon Gate. Let's do our rewatch. We'll maybe, we'll probably watch that event, or at least the big matches from that event next week. So we'll do that. You're giving me homework. I'm getting catch a little up bit of homework. Right. Yeah, catch up on the G, catch up on the DG if you get a chance. So.
0: A lot of baseball going on too. It's I tricky. know,
1: I know. There's NBA, good stuff in Dragon NBA, Gate though.
0: NBA started tonight. Yeah, it did. Um, all right, I'll catch up on the Dragon Gate. I've been I've been putting it off, but um, I'll get with Iron Mike Spears and figure out where I left off and and uh, and binge the Dragon. That's how I do Dragon Gate now. I watch three months worth of it in a week.
1: <laughs> in a week, yeah.
0: Right. And then come back three months later and watch three months of, worth of it in a week again. Um, I did watch triple crown match between Suwama and Suji Ishikawa, uh, which was the same night as Sengoku Lord, I think.
1: Yeah, they were running head-to-head, um, I think, at the same time. Like, the main events were on, on, on both, you know, <laughs> both both pro- promotions were running main events at exactly the same time. So, yeah, I did not watch that. So, what, what, uh, what happened there?
0: Ah, uh, no need. It was all right. I mean, people have been saying it, but it's true. Suji Ishikawa is just not the same. Mm-hmm. He's not bad but he's clearly winding down. And I think at this point, his best stuff is in tags because violent giants, you know, that same two guys. I mean, they, they've had some really good tags. Sure. Um, but as a single, it, unfortunately it's true. He's winding down. It's just, they would have had such a better match two years ago, three years ago. Um, it wasn't a bad match, but the best way I can describe it is like two aging, starving walruses fighting over like a (laughs) dead seal.
1: Oof. Like, Wal- walrus is a bad term here. That's doing a lot of work. Uh, there's a like reason beef- you picked walruses, <laughs> right?
0: Oh, yeah. That's the reason I picked that whole analogy. Yeah. Not just walruses. Dying walruses. Starving walruses. Yes. You know, and there's a dead seal on the beach, and they're both hungry, and they fight over that dead seal. Like, that's what this, that's the best way I could describe this match. Like, they, it's just two beefy meat slabs. Slapping each other in the chest and beating each other up, which on paper sounds great, but one of the guys just can't go the way he used to anymore. And here's the thing: he's the Booker. And this motherfucker's really pushing himself. I mean, he's the tag team champions, and he has been all year long. Now he's <laughs> giving himself a triple crown title match. Yeah, he
1: fucking sends like, a Shino to the fucking mid card.
0: Yeah, most of these guys who end up being Bookers usually have you know the 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 sense well. I shouldn't say that because historically that hasn't been the case. But, you know, a lot of guys have, you know, the common sense to, uh, you know, I got to pump the brakes on my own shit.
1: Yeah, a lot of the recent guys, a lot of the recent guys, your Junakiyamas, your Gatos or whatever, the second they get the book, they usually put themselves, at least themselves, as far as wrestlers in the back or in the rear view. But, yeah, not uh – An old pencil man there in all Japan.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, he's booking himself like an old 70s booker who finally gets (laughs) the book. And he's like, I'm going to the top, baby. He's rubbing his hands together, you know. (laughs) But um, I don't know. If I had to star rate it, I'd go like three and a quarter or something like that. It was was fine. Um, You know, but uh, yeah, you know, the Enfants, Terribles, you know, they've dropped some falls on some shows and tag matches and. I'm not going to say that Ashino feels like just a guy, but it's trending that way. It's starting to trend that way, and that's a real shame.
1: Very upset about that. It's
0: a real shame because I really feel like they had something with him, and I want to see how it played out in front of fans. But um, it's it's, it's starting to trend towards he's just feeling like a guy on the roster. Mm. But we'll see what happens in the carnival. Uh, which I assume they're still holding. I th- I think they, they, are. Are. So they are. Yeah,
1: yeah. The N the N one and the Champion Carnival I think is like running concurrently, so it's going to be a wild, weird time in wrestling because um, in-, in Japanese wrestling because a lot because everyone's going to kind of lump in everything that they've been trying to do all summer. <laughs> like this is kind of our weird like ease in point, but then like come uh, you know in a few weeks everyone's just blowing it out doing Carnival G one N one all that sort of stuff. So it's going to get pretty wild here for a bit. So.
0: You know, they, they, look, there's some fucking people who don't want to hear it, but as soon as there can be full crowds again, they're going right back to Kento. Let's be honest. Yeah, oh, for sure. They're going right back to Kento. You, you, you got to go back to the ace. You know, it's this is fun for now, I guess, watching Kento muck it up on the tags on the undercard and team with uh, the good Italian boy. Yeah, your hey
1: boy, Francesco, right?
0: But I mean, you know, he's the only star in that promotion, let's be honest. So you got to go back to Kento and then, you know, hopefully they see something in Ashino and they try to rev him back up. I don't
1: know. So that's that. Uh, we have previews of the uh, Dragon Gate show uh, that's coming up this weekend at voicewrestling.com. I know the Open the Voice Gate uh, uh, podcast also did a, a really cool preview of that show. So definitely, yeah, Joe, do your homework. We'll we'll catch up on Dragon Gate next week, hopefully. Uh, and then, yeah, hopefully wrestling gets better <laughs> next week than it was this week. But I think we, we found stuff we liked. You gave a five-star match this week. We talked about a five-star match. So not all wrestling is bad, just a lot of it, <laughs> most of it's bad right now. So hopefully, we'll see yeah, spirits up a little to, bit. So,
0: Rich, I had to dig for a St. Louis Anarchy match,
1: <laughs> but no. you found it, and that's all that matters, right?
0: I find something good, you know.
1: And there's but. five seconds of the Tom Kelvin Tankman match that's good too. So you can watch that. I'm
0: gonna make it a point to to watch at least some of that. I'll yeah. skip around.
1: I, I, I think you'll like some of it. Yeah, uh, like I said, you will be. You will. It'll be very clear when a match is skippable. I will. T- that is the second you say, "Ah, Rich, this match looks like shit." It looks like shit. To just move on, so
0: yeah, uh, that's a good guide. Yeah, so I won't even bother giving them.
1: When the two know. guys in the ring look like they're dog shit, they are indeed dog shit. So <laughs> it's, it's fair it's enough. It's very easy to, to figure out when you should skip a match. When there's a door in the ring, there's a pretty solid chance that you should probably just skip the match. So
0: why? Wait a minute. Why is there a door in the ring? Because it's UW-5 half UWFi,
1: half street fights. Oh come on! I, I agree. I skipped most of the street fights and just watched the UWF stuff. So that's that's all I'll say about that. So anyway, it's a little weird. I'm sorry. Now we're leaving on a negative note. I didn't want to leave on a negative note. I want to leave it on a positive note.
0: Ah, well, fucking wrestling stinks right now. What do you
1: want <laughs> to i got to tell you what I tell you. <laughs> it is what it is. So wrestling stinks. That's it for us. Voiceofwrestling.com, uh, at Voice Wrestling on Twitter, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, all the other good stuff going on on there. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich We'll talk you guys next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care.